Welcome to Red Rank Podcast. I'm your host, The Crow Show. I'm very thrilled to deliver another fun, amazing conversation I had with a fellow content creator, Witchy Twitchy. Now, Witchy Twitchy is a Navajo native content creator. We had a really fantastic conversation just talking about what it's like being in the content creation space as a native person, the the challenges and the fun that we've had along the way, the friends we've made. But yeah, I'm uh, I'm really excited to uh, for you to listen to this conversation. It is a bit of a longer talk, so just a quick heads up on that. At about the two hour mark, I add an editor's note. We do talk about some sensitive information, so if you want to. F- if you want to skip about 20 minutes of that, it, it, it does talk about some really sensitive topics that might be a trigger for some people listening. So I do want to just give you a heads up on that. And I do warn you anytime there's a bit of a trigger warning when we get into some deep conversation. Again, please, if you can do me a big favor, rate the podcast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Those are the two most popular platforms. And on Spotify, you do have to rate the podcast on your mobile app. So make sure you do it there. Thank you very much for listening and enjoy my conversation with Witchy Twitchy. Here we are. Welcome in, everybody. So I'm sitting down with Witchy Twitchy. Her pronouns are she, her. She's been streaming on Twitch for seven years, is a partnered Twitch streamer, and is uh, very popular on TikTok, has 210,000 followers. That's a really big deal. Uh, Witchy Twitchy, welcome in. How are you doing today? Hi, thanks for having me. I'm doing good. How are you, Crow? I'm doing really well, really well. So thanks for sitting down, making the time to do this with me. Um, because I, we've 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 actually we did one collab before. We played Dead by Daylight once upon a time, and that was yeah, super fun. I know I had a blast. We got to do that again. That was. Uh, I, I agree. Don't know, ever since they added the new um, killer from the ring, I'm kind of scared to play. But I need to get back <laughs> on there. It's so fun. Yeah, the new killer is she is pretty scary. Um, I usually like to ask people like right off the start, how did you land on your name, Witchy Twitchy? Was there a story behind that? Um, well, I've always loved um, Halloween and you know all kinds of spooky things. And my previous Twitch name, I actually didn't choose it. Me and my um, fiance had started the Twitch account together, and he had actually created the account, so he had named it. And um, I ended up falling in love with streaming, so I just mm-hmm. you know kind of kept going with it and he you know he liked doing it as a hobby but not so much um, as much as I did so or at the time so I kind of just ran with it and I started streaming every day and turned it into a whole full-time thing and I was I finally wanted a name that was mine you know that I picked and so I was trying to think of ways um because I love having you know like a Halloween theme in my channel or just you know spooky stuff because I've always loved um things like that so I was like you know, brainstorming, wondering what I could um, come up with. And then I remember there was this cute little poem from Coraline, the um, the movie. Uh, okay. And um, the dad says something like, oh, my twitchy, witchy girl, I think you are so nice. I give you bowls of porridge and I give you bowls of ice cream. And I was like, twitchy, witchy, that's really cute. But then I was I swapped it around, witchy, twitchy, because I figured it just flowed better. And also <laughs> I stream on Twitch. So I guess yeah. it kind of came that way. Oh, that's awesome. So how long have you been full time on Twitch? Like? Twitch slash um, YouTube and all that. I went full time for the first time in 2016. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, I was full time for a couple of years. Then I decided to pick up a, uh, like a little 
two-day-a-week job bartending just oh, to yeah. get out of the house because, I don't know, sometimes I go through phases where if I stay in the house too long, I start going a little, like, cabin fevery. So oh, I got yeah. um, a little, you know, two-day-a-week bartending job for maybe about a year or so, and then um, I went full-time. Ag- no, I guess it was a couple years, and then I went full-time again in – no, sorry – Okay. Yeah. So I went full time again in like sometime in 2018, 2019, I think. I don't know. I might have gotten the years wrong. Yeah. But I've been full time since about 2018, 2019. Okay. Yeah. That's a crazy thing. Like time just like blends together and it's like. Especially lately. The last couple of years has warped my perception of time. It's been a crazy world we live in. So that's cool. I, yeah, I was curious. I didn't know that story about the the creation of your name, Witchy Twitchy. I, I wanted to, a, a big part of the reason why I wanted to sit down with you today and get you on my podcast. Like this is kind of a dead by daylight focused podcast, but I really just want to kind of just connect with creators and talk about their journey and talk about things outside of the game and. Of course, you're a fellow native content creator. I'm a native content creator. And uh, the reason why I discovered you is because one of my friends was like, hey, I I know this person who is reconnecting with her native roots, and I think you should check her out. I think you'd really enjoy her content. And I looked you up on Twitch and TikTok and immediately just like fell in love with your content and really appreciate like where you're coming from, because at the end of the day, um, when you take the native community at large, there's a there's so many like little nuances. Even within one nation, there's tons of nuance. Mm-hmm. But you go from nation to nation and you get all these little tribes and everything. The thing is, like myself, I was really fortunate to to grow up knowing my grandparents, knowing my great grandparents, growing up within my tribe, within my nation. And having easy access to my aunts, my uncles, my grandparents, cousins, um, access to culture and traditional ceremonies. And not all of us have that. I was just curious how you got started on your journey to reconnecting with your, your native roots and if you wanted to talk about you know, where you're from and where you belong. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Well, thanks, first of all, for liking my content. That makes me feel really cool. Thank oh, yeah. <laughs> um, so I guess I should start with why I had – well, I back on the day of my birth. No, I'm just kidding. But um, so uh, the whole reason why I had to reconnect and, – and reconnecting looks different for everybody. Like some people yeah. have to reconnect because they were adopted or, you know, for, for tons of other reasons. My um, – reason for having to reconnect was because um, my parents were divorced whenever I was a baby. My my dad's my non-native parent. He's white. And then my mom is my native parent. So the Navajo Nation, where my tribe is from, and my family doesn't, um, some of my family lives in the Navajo Nation and some live, uh, you know, a little south of it, still in New Mexico, but a little south. So they live out in New Mexico. And mm-hmm. um, my dad lives in Alabama. So it's very, very far away. Um, okay. So when I was, I was a newborn, or no, maybe like probably around one or two, somewhere around there. Um, my dad ended up getting custody because the custody battle was in rural Alabama. My mom was a native woman. Oh, and so right. that. Uh, custody battle didn't go very well. Um, so uh, I ended up growing up with my dad's family um, in Alabama, which um, is really far away from Mexico. Um, mm-hmm. So I didn't get to see my grandmother, my aunties, or my uncle very often whenever I was a kid. Um, I got to see my mom. Um, eventually, it got up to like twice a month whenever I got older. Um, but, I, you know, in the grand scheme of things, I was still very separated from 
the native culture in my in my life. And even with my mom, you know, she lives so far away from, you know, the Navajo Nation. I mean, and there was always native influence growing up. And, you mm-hmm. know, whenever I got, I got to go visit her and stuff like that, but there were no um, traditional teachings per se um, as much. I mean, of course, I got to grow up with scary stories, you know, oh, yeah. stuff like that. But um, nothing, no um, serious teachings or um, um, not too much of the, the native language. So mm-hmm. um, I... Um, once I got older, um, my mom and I have been estranged for over a decade now, unfortunately. Um, and, um, so with that estrangement with my mom came estrangement from my native family, not on, not, not on purpose, I guess, but just because Mm -hmm. I I feel like it was just a really awkward situation. And I don't think any of us really knew like, oh, are we cool with each other? What do we want? At least for me, I was like, well, do they want me in their life? I don't know. So, Mm -hmm. um, over, I want to say. Back in 2019, I had um, decided, I was like, well, just because I don't have my mom in my life doesn't mean I can't have my other Native family in my life. So I decided to start trying to reach out. I called my um, Masane, my grandma, my mom's mom. Um, We had our first phone call in years back in 2019. And oh, it was so wonderful. It was so great. Um, And so that kind of kicked off, you know, us rebuilding our relationship and stuff like that. And I love her so much. I'm so lucky to have her in my life. Um... I was supposed to go see her um, in the spring of 2020, and then, as we all know, um, a giant wrench got thrown into things in the world, Um, and so I had to cancel my plans to go see her in 2020, and, um, you know, in place of that, we started uh, sending each other little cute care packages and gifts because we couldn't visit, Okay, and um, she started sending me... Um, I don't know about the native people in your family, but the native, uh, the natives in my family are always making things, always so creative, and whether it's beadwork or sewing oh, yeah. or anything. So my grandma does all kinds of things that she makes. So she would always send me whether it was jewelry that she makes. Um, she does these cute little plastic canvas things. That I, I picked it up too, but oh, yeah. she would send me all kinds of things. Um, she even sent me some of her own jewelry from her personal collection. Um, oh wow. And, Jewelry in the in the Diné culture is really really important. Like our turquoise and our silver and stuff. So that meant a lot to me. And I feel like getting my hands on tangible um, things like that really just I didn't realize how hungry I was for it. Mm-hmm. You know the jewelry, the the gifts for my grandma and stuff, and realizing how much I was like it just made me happy. And so I decided one day I wanted to. Um, my grandma's brother had passed away at the end of 2019. And um, he he mainly only spoke Navajo. He barely spoke any English. Okay. When I met him, my grandma had to translate. Mm-hmm. And um, when he passed away, I wanted to do something to cheer her up. So I was like, well, maybe I can just learn a little bit of Navajo mm-hmm. to uh, make her feel a little bit better. Yeah. Um, so I decided I was going to learn just a little bit, nothing crazy. But I started learning and I don't know, one thing led to another. Everything snowballed and I realized how happy connecting with my culture made me mm-hmm. and now here we are like a year well I guess almost two years later and my life has totally changed um for the better absolutely um yeah but that's kind of how it all started my grandma that's, a, that's amazing because like uh yeah the the thing is like there's so many things that connect us to our our culture and where we're from like you mentioned the artwork like that my mother uh is an artist she's i've got some of her paintings hung up throughout my my place and it just kind of it's just kind of what keeps me connected to my people like consciously subconsciously while Mm -hmm. i'm living in this very modern world and that's a funny thing i always think about like um there's people out there and i'm sure you've had 
uh, numerous encounters like this where they say, well, you're native and yet you're on your iPhone or you're on your such and such technology. It's like, well, I'm not going to just, you know, unplug from the world because uh, my ancestors did it once upon a time. So. Yeah. Plus, also, I mean, there's and if you're going to be a modern person and we're living in this modern society, you kind of have to use modern amenities for your job mm-hmm. and stuff. So I think that's I always think that's a silly argument. It is. <laughs> How is um has it been? Has there been any challenges you faced reconnecting with the people in your in Navajo Nation? Like, has that been? Um, with my family, no. Uh, oh my yeah. gosh, my family has embraced me in the most beautiful way. Um, my um my grandma is. I, you know, I got to go see her three different times last year. Um, mm-hmm. She took me, uh, we went on a trip together for like a week out to the Navajo Nation. She took me to all the, you know, places where she grew up. And I mean, even taking me to places where she would gather and look for wild carrots when she was a little girl. Um, oh, wow. It was just the most amazing trip. Um, yeah. And then she took me to visit family, aunties, her brother who has been, um, him and his wife have been so kind and so supportive oh, and cool. sweet. Um just totally embracing me. I've gotten to go see them twice now. Um, mm-hmm. And then my aunties, I got cousins out there. Uh, it's been wonderful. And then even um, meeting other uh, Navajos via TikTok and other social yeah. media, they've been so sweet. I've made so many friends. Um, oh, that's awesome. And I, I can't wait to go and uh, and visit once I go mm-hmm. get to go back out there. Um, even whenever I went so um, – in the Navajo Nation, we have several different flea markets that you can go to. Um, and I got to go to the Gallup flea market uh, last summer with my grandma. And people there actually, there were three different people that recognized me from TikTok. Oh, wow. Yeah, That's it was awesome. Well, it was really bizarre. <laughs> I like, I was really embarrassed, actually, because I don't know. Online, it's one thing, but I'm really shy in person. But people yeah. came up to me in person and um, they were like, hey, are you that girl from TikTok? I was like, no. But um, <laughs> people were really nice. And my grandma... You know, grandma doesn't really understand completely how TikTok works. So she thought they get people. She's like, oh, is that your friend? Oh, that's cute. <laughs> it was really cute. But oh. um, some of the people had booths where they were selling things. And my grandma, assuming that we were friends, she would just stop and, you know, that person's parents or grandparents would talk to my grandma in Navajo. So we'd just be standing there talking. And um, mm-hmm. actually, the earrings that I wear all the time are given to me by somebody who recognized me at the the Gallup Flea Market. So that oh, was a cool. really sweet memory. I love that. Yeah. Um, oh, that's amazing. Uh, you know, of course, you know, there's always going to be pushback for any, you know, everybody for any, you know, whatever reason. So some people, of course, give me a hard time like, oh, you know, you don't speak Navajo that well. Your accent's really bad. Um, oh, jeez. Stuff yeah. like that. I mean, that's going to be... With anything, anybody, mm-hmm. you know, it's social media. But nine times out of ten, everyone has been so kind and welcoming, and I feel so incredibly lucky. It's definitely made me. I've, I feel surrounded by a community for the first time in my life. That's awesome. That's a that must be a really good feeling. Oh yeah. Yeah. How do you filter in terms of like because the things you're learning are, are very traditional very ceremonial there's things that are sacred that you're learning how do you filter what you share on social media versus like what you keep in your heart and like don't share with people there's definitely a balance to it i guess i mean i know some people feel comfortable sharing more about certain things online and that's that's you know their choice for me i i feel like i'm i'm definitely an oversharer when it comes to my personal life yeah. <laughs> um because that's just how i don't know and so I've always been. But when it comes to, you know, whether it's sacred or ceremonial things, I kind of just think back to 
what my grandma would say or my che. Um, mm-hmm. My grandma has always told me whenever it comes to whether it's medicine or something like that, she's like, you be, just be, you, you don't tell people um, like what medicine you use or things like that. And plus also I'm still reconnecting. It's not really my place to share that knowledge or put it out in the world. Um, mm-hmm. So I kind of just, what would grandma do? <laughs> That's kind of my, <laughs> when it comes to yeah. wondering about what, what I should share, what I shouldn't share. I mean, it's yeah. one thing to talk about, you know, educate on history and educate on native issues, which I try to do and talk mm-hmm. about my personal experience. But I, I definitely try and remember what my elders tell me. I think that's the biggest thing for being a a young native person online. That's cool. For me. Yeah. I think that's a really good point because I I kind of take the same approach. I'll be like, well, what if if one of my uncles was nearby while I'm saying this? Would he approve or disapprove? And um, you just, you just kind of, you reach a point where you, you just know and it's just right. always always in the back of your mind and mm-hmm. it's it's interesting though because like people are curious and they want to know more but you're not sure like where they're coming from when they ask you questions that are maybe too personal in terms right of yeah absolutely your, your background and plus I feel like as a native people we have earned the right to be protective of our uh, <laughs> our cultures um based oh, yeah. on you know history um so I, I think it's very fair for us to be wary and and protective of our cultures, um, considering that's how we've preserved them, protecting them. Um, oh yeah. So it definitely is hard because I know some people, you know, want to learn in order to better understand and better help. But at the same time, there are some things, you know, and each lots of tribes have extremely sacred things um, that should remain sacred, and. Mm-hmm. Um, it's definitely hard to tell people like, uh, sorry, I can't talk about that when oh, well, yeah. first, uh, I'm still reconnecting. So, you know, I, I wouldn't talk about that stuff anyways, but, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's definitely a fine line to walk and dance when it comes to, uh, trying to share your reconnection journey to encourage other young natives and, um, minding your business and staying in your lane. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah, exactly. Now through this journey, because you, you've been uh, very uh, public about your, your journey, whether it's on Twitch or Twitter or TikTok, uh, have you received a lot of comments from people who are in a similar situation saying, Hey, you know, you've, you've empowered me. I feel more inspired to learn about my background. I feel weird saying yes, because I don't want to make it sound like I'm tooting my own horn. But yeah, I mean, yeah, people have messaged me saying stuff like that. And that Mm. is exactly why I am doing it. Like, that's exactly why I'm being so open and being really transparent. I mean, of course, like being open and oversharing is just a part of my personality. But sometimes it's Sometimes I just want to clam up and just not put it on social media because sometimes people are really awful. Oh, yeah. But I have just kept kept with it because people have messaged me saying, hey, I, I grew up in a similar situation. And I never felt like I could reach out and reconnect or, you know, I have an estrangement and that's keeping me from reconnecting. And I'm like, just keep going, you know, and and, mm-hmm. and, and hearing people say that they are, you know, trying and reconnecting and making these life changes. It's just, it makes me so happy because I know how big of an impact it's made in my life and how much yeah. it's com- it, it's completely changed my life from the foundation up. Um, and I want that for other people. Mm-hmm. And like, I, I, <laughs> I have this story. Um, so on that topic, I, I want to say, was it last summer? I made this silly TikTok joking about how, um, Taylor Lautner looks oh. more native than I do, even though he's not actually native. He's like, you know, European descent. Um, yeah. And uh, I, in that TikTok, I was joking about how, um, like, my mom 
when she was little herded sheep, which is a huge thing in Navajo culture. I was like, my mom herded sheep and I don't grow armpit hair. But then Mm -hmm. uh, Taylor Lautner still looks more native than me. (laughs) And um, so I guess somebody somebody who was watching one of my videos heard me say the the comment about no armpit hair, Mm -hmm. I guess. So like um, a lot of natives sometimes don't have a lot of, you know, body hair or whatever. Um, So... (laughs) They heard that and they were like, well, I don't have armpit hair. What does that mean? So they started mm-hmm. researching and digging into their, um, their, um, I guess, ancestry. And I mean, they're, I think they're, they were originally, I'm not sure. Anyway, so they did, they mm-hmm. digged into their family history and they found out they're actually um, indigenous to Mexico. And uh. I got a message, I want to say last month or the month before of them, they had, they sent me a photo of them in Mexico going to visit and find their, uh, like where their family is originally from and wow. trying to track down their ancestry mm-hmm. all because of silly comment about no armpit <laughs> hair and like seeing somebody so happy and trying to find their pueblo and their people and stuff like that i was like are you kidding me this is amazing like seeing somebody oh, yeah. kick-started on this journey all because i made some stupid joke about taylor lautner yeah yeah i know the tiktok you're you're talking about it's hilarious because like yeah he he looks super native and you said he he's like i think i'm 164th native and yeah (laughs) it's so funny and then i gotta come over here like i mean it's so weird because i i get it so from non-native people i always get told you don't look native yeah well actually growing up i always got told i look asian or i get asked what are you or i get asked or thought like assumed as hispanic Mm -hmm. they always say or um but when it comes to other native people or especially navajo most navajo people are like oh you got a navajo nose i can see it in your cheeks yeah you're navajo yeah yeah so it's like for me because i'm a mixed native i can clock a mixed native across the room mm-hmm. you know easily um but i feel like when you're not native it's hard to tell so i get it from both sides like some people are like oh, yeah. you look native <laughs> you're lying and then you know i've got other people that are like oh what tribe are you yeah <laughs> so it's, that's yeah i was gonna ask you about that like how do you balance that because i'm sure you you must get a lot of questions and whether they're polite or not polite People, some people are just not aware that they're being rude when they're like, what are you? <laughs> like, how do it's, you, how do you deal with that? It's definitely been weird. Um, so, and honest, and honestly, it changes. It's changed in my life, how I'm perceived. So whenever I was younger, um, let's see, when I was younger and like high school, people always thought I was Asian for some reason. Um, so okay. I, I went to high school in very rural Alabama where there were no people of color. Okay. No, no yeah. people of color, very graduating class of 50 something oh wow cows and churches outnumbered the people um it was very (laughs) very rural alabama um so i was probably the most non-white person in like a 50 mile radius i'm Mm -hmm. just kidding but no like i always got called the chinese girl oh wow yeah, it was really – I don't think I look Asian. Well, I mean, I don't mm. know. I I think that people people there probably just assume that Native people don't exist anymore. And mm. the closest they can think of to what Native people look like is Asian. I don't know. But I always yeah. got called Asian or the Chinese girl Um, uh-huh. and when I was in high school. And um, especially whenever I was in my emo phase and I dyed my hair black. Okay. <laughs> um, And I – you know, growing up, I had all these old ladies saying, oh, you look like just, just like a little China doll. I got that so oh much. And it was always gosh. weird. It was so oh, weird. No. Whenever I was a kid, yeah. I was like, I know you're trying to be nice, but this feels weird for some reason. And I, I didn't know why as a kid, but I yeah. will always remember that. I was getting told, you look like a little China doll. Oh, jeez. And um, then 
once I got older, um, you know, like I, I, I was bleaching my hair and mm. stuff like that. And I, I didn't get it really that much whenever I bleached my hair, um, but maybe a little. But now yeah. that, you know, I'm growing my hair back out and, you know, I, I'm stopping bleaching it so I can actually have it long again. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm getting that more frequently. Like, what are you? What are you? Um, oh, wow. So it's weird to having it shift and go back and forth. Um, it's definitely funky. Like, yeah. Like I said, some people on social media will say stuff like, oh, you're not native. Just say you're white. You don't look native at all. And then some people yeah. will, when like making videos about me or talking about me, they'll call me, you know, like just a native woman. And or mm-hmm. like I've even gotten referred to as like a POC, which is I feel weird calling myself a POC because I don't want to give myself that label because I know that I can be quote unquote white passing Mm-hmm. to some people it's really weird i feel like yeah my whole identity currently is still going back and forth because yeah whenever i'm online and people know i'm native because you know i talk about native issues all the time and mm-hmm. stuff like that i do experience people being awful to me and saying anti-indigenous stuff but then whenever i'm walking around in public you know i don't really get that as much so it's like mm-hmm. it goes back and forth it's very weird yeah, I, I I can only imagine because like I myself I'm I'm very native looking and uh, I've definitely received my fair share of people getting my background incorrect, which is just part of being native, I guess. Right. Yeah. Um, but I I did grow up with somebody who uh was one hundred percent native, but was very pale so she was white passing despite having no white background which is is a thing right and uh, so yeah genetics are bizarre yeah yeah so she would go to uh ceremonies and and stuff and i remember one time she went to our band office and um she talked to me later on we were on our way home and she was like my gosh the amount of times i heard people asking out loud who is that white girl over there <laughs> it's like, oh my gosh it's so it's, brutal it's, it's definitely tough um it, it's a really complicated nuanced situation so mm-hmm. um you know being a mixed native with very light skin um in the grand scheme of things you know in society i'm not as marginalized as natives who are or are more visibly indigenous i guess i, I could mm-hmm. say um yeah. so You always have to be wary of that and always acknowledge that you have that privilege. You have, you will be given opportunities that other more visibly indigenous people will not be given purely based because, you know, on your skin tone. And it's really, it's awful. I hate that. I wish it wasn't like that. But yeah, so you have to acknowledge that privilege and carry that. But then on the other hand, in your own community, you've got people constantly denying your indigeneity and, um, Mm -hmm. or, you know, you constantly feeling not native enough. And right. It's it's definitely a tough spot to be in, but it just comes with the territory. Mm-hmm. And I've got it doesn't bother me as much as it used to. Okay. Luckily. Yeah. Um Yeah, cuz I was going to ask you like how you handle that because that that is a thing that's out there not feeling native enough to speak about these issues when you've got a really big platform where you could make a really big difference with your words and your actions and that's got to be tough trying to find that balance and that comfortable <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, I still struggle with it a lot. Um, on the aspect of, or the, you know, that feeling of not being native enough, it's definitely subsided quite a bit. Mainly because, you know, you know, I've been, I've been 
on this journey for well, almost two years now. I've gone mm-hmm. and visited my family a long time and or a, a lot um, for, yeah. you know, long periods. And, you know, having those experiences, being embraced by my family, sitting in the floor late at night, listening to my grandma and her brother talk in Navajo and tell stories and reminisce, like, I've had those experiences. So now mm-hmm. I that voice of not feeling native enough is really quiet now oh, because good. I know yeah. who I am and I know who my family is and, and stuff like that. Um, but it definitely can be tricky sometimes because I, I struggle with – I don't want to overspeak or overshadow um, people who have grown up with the culture or, or mm-hmm. more marginalized natives. I, I, I don't want to overshadow them. Mm-hmm. So I, I struggle with that. But then also – wanting to use my platform that I've been given mm-hmm. um, to raise awareness about issues. So it, it's definitely a, a, a dance I'm trying to learn. Um, oh, yeah. And everyone's going to have different opinions on it. If I don't talk about some things, people are constantly tagging me like, hey, can you talk about this? Can you make a video about this? And then mm-hmm. if I do do it, then I worry, or are people going to assume that I'm trying to speak on, um, like speak over people? Oh yeah. Yeah. It's, it's tough. Cause like you, if you talk about something that people don't agree with, there's always going to be a handful of really loud people out there who want to voice their concern about that. And, um, like off topic on topic, like I, on TikTok, I create like dead by daylight content, but like a couple times I've talked about my journey and realizing I'm bisexual. So I post that on TikTok. And there's always like a handful of people who are like, ew, get that off my get this off my for you page. Like I, I follow <laughs> so you for dead by daylight, not not this nonsense. And I'm just like, this is a part of who I am. Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> people so are I'm so sorry strange. you have to deal with that. That's yeah. So, yeah, that's that sucks. Um uh, it's okay, but I, I I bring it up because I know you you know what that feels like. To, yeah. It um to just literally exist and people yeah. hate you for it. Yeah. And the shift in how people like the way that you just explained, like someone who had been watching you and consuming your content and then they find that out about you and then they instantly mm-hmm. switch and yeah. suddenly don't want anything to do with you um, has been something I've been dealing with a lot over the last year or so since being more outspoken about Native issues, being very open about who I am and be very being very open about being Native. People mm-hmm. that were in my community that which like I never hid that I was native. If I ever got yeah. asked what are you, which I did frequently, I would say, "Oh, I'm half white and my mom is." So like yeah. I was always I never hid that I was native, but I wasn't very um connected to my culture, so I didn't really talk about it that much. I still discuss native issues when they came up, but um it wasn't as much. So maybe people overlooked it. Mm-hmm. But um over the last year, I've had people who I know that are in my community start treating me horribly. Like oh, one no. person I remember um, started going off on me because uh, I was posting about um, I think I wrote I wrote a poem actually the first poem I had written in like mm-hmm. years I wrote a poem um, you know just talking about native stuff and somebody that had been in my community just went off on me oh, no. talking about like just being really racist and saying stuff like oh, oh the native genocide is debatable oh god and I was no. like I cannot believe that. First of all, why would this person ever feel comfortable in my community? I feel like I'm very even though I wasn't loudly identifying as native, I feel like I I've I've made it clear that attitudes like that are not mm-hmm. welcome in my space. So it was yeah. just very bizarre to me. And so when that happened, um it made me very I started getting really stressed out about streaming and very anxious because I was like, how many more people are in my community that are going to say stuff like that to me mm-hmm. now that I am loudly talking about native issues um or yeah. you know, I people follow me 
just the other day, someone had one of my followers thought it would be funny to tweet at me that um, cartoon Bugs Bunny video of him shooting natives going like one little, two little, three little engines. Oh, yeah. It's like, man, you followed me. And now that I'm native, you got an issue. Well, like now mm-hmm. that you know I'm native, I mean, like yeah. it, it yeah. just it's so weird. It's it's very bizarre. I yeah, I don't know where their mindset is at when it comes to posting something like that, because one of the first videos I talked about when I was like realizing I'm bisexual, somebody took a tiny clip of that uh, and they posted it on TikTok and then they posted a video of like a superhero guy punching somebody and beating him up. It's like, why? Uh, yeah, it's like <laughs> you donated so much it. time. Yeah, yeah. what? It's, like if you people are just, I'd, why would you dedicate that much time to something that you don't enjoy? Yeah, yeah, you can just move on if it's if you don't uh, agree with me or you know, whatever. It's just it's the strangest thing. People <laughs> are just bananas. That reminds me of this TikTok I saw recently, where this girl was going up to other women and she was like, "What are your thoughts on straight marriage?" And they were gi- they were giving them the the gay marriage responses. They're like, "Uh, you know, keep it in your home. It's not for me." I <laughs> and they're like, "What do you think about straight marriage?" It's, it's the funniest thing. Oh my god. I don't necessarily agree with it, but, you know, you do you. And love, was, the sin, love the sinner, hate the sin. Exactly. <laughs> it was so funny. <laughs> but um, I wanted to, to transition a little bit about talking about your, your TikTok journey. And I know it's been I know it's been a roller coaster in recent months, right? Like, how's yeah. that been for you? Um, well, I'm currently post blocked on TikTok right now. I got a post block for a week. Um, I don't know oh, why. No. That's been happening wow. to me ever since that you know the whole debacle started at the beginning of March. Um, mm-hmm. So I guess I got dragged into that whole Modern Warrior Chelsea mm-hmm. Banana Marie drama just because mm-hmm. I got reposted by Modern Warrior, who is a native creator, and we both talk about native issues. And I had made a mm-hmm. video the day before um, talking about native stuff, and he had reposted it, and it was the worst timing. You know, oh, yeah. um, all of that drama came out the next day. Um, everyone assumed that I was involved because I had gotten reposted recently. I got dragged into it. It was awful. Um, mm-hmm. I I wasn't a very large. I mean, I'm I don't know. I I wasn't a very large TikTok creator. My videos mm-hmm. sometimes I would have some that would take you know trend and do okay, but um, definitely not as many people were seeing my content as during that week of, or I guess I should say a couple weeks of insanity. Um, it was really stressful. Yeah. I was getting all kinds of horrible comments. Um, people were just taking that opportunity to be really anti-native and awful. Mm-hmm. Um, it was really scary, actually. Like, I, I didn't want to stream because I didn't, I mean, you know, you got this, like, the main drama on TikTok. Oh, yeah. You know, millions of people snooping around, trying to figure out what's going on, wanting to, you know, offer their think pieces, trying to jump on and, you know, everybody involved. So I was scared to stream because I didn't Mm -hmm. want that to transfer over to my Twitch stream, which is, you know, my full-time job. So Mm -hmm. uh, I took time off Twitch um, for about a week or a week and a half when that was all happening. Um, I was trying really hard to act like it wasn't bothering me at the time because I, I didn't want people to know that, you know, saying those things was effective. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, making burner accounts with slurs, like native slurs in the name. Oh, jeez. Um, sending like people like when I finally did get back on and streamed, like people were coming into my channel. I got a death threat the first time I got back on stream, which was what? really nice. That was oh, great. My gosh. Yeah. yeah. Um, constantly reporting every single every single piece of content I had, going mm-hmm. through all of my old videos, all of my old content, 
mass reporting me. Um, I, I got perma banned three different times, but luckily mm-hmm. I was able to um, reach out to TikTok because I had I had gotten involved. Um, I got an invitation to the Native American Heritage Month event last November. Oh right, TikTok. yeah. Mm-hmm. And because of that, I had a an email address of somebody um, at TikTok that I could reach out to, and I was able to you know get an account manager finally, so mm-hmm. I could get on perma band because I, I wasn't actually breaking guidelines. Um, it was just, you know, the automated moderation system. People were oh, you yeah. know, false flagging my account. Mm-hmm. And, um, when, you know, an actual human being reviewed my content, they were like, Oh yeah, you're not actually breaking guidelines. Um, mm-hmm. here, have your account back. But it's, it's been about what, almost two months, about a month and a half of just constant yeah. false reports. Um, people trying to like deplatform me over and over again. It's really, in a way, it's flattering because it's like, wow, my content is really um, concerning you. Like, it's 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 important enough to uh, warrant multiple people false flagging my account constantly. Um, mm-hmm. But at the same time, it's just like, oh, my God, come on. It's been a month and a half. Leave me alone. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I applaud you for powering through this because, um, you know, on a very small scale, I – I got a lot of flack from the DVD community for one TikTok I posted. And for about a month, I was getting nasty comments, mean and rude comments, Jeez. but like nowhere near like what you had to face. And all your biggest, your biggest mistake was something that was outside of your control. Like he just shared your TikTok and yeah. And then everybody assumed I was involved. And then once I was involved, I, you know, I was trying to be like, Hey guys, I know that uh, this situation requires a lot of nuance, but please don't use this opportunity to fuel your anti-indigenous racism. And Mm -hmm. people did not like that. And uh, so that kind of just made everything worse. And, you know, people were constantly telling me, well, you know, the, thankfully the the first couple of days was miserable. It was horrible. Um, I was really stressed out. And then, you know, because that was before everything started coming to light. Um, And then, you know, as time went on more, um, well, like lots of my native friends, the native community had my back. They were like, what's happening to to witchy is not okay. And Mm -hmm. then, um, you know, very luckily, lots of people um, in the uh, black TikTok community started realizing what was happening and, you know, came and and started helping change the narrative and be like hey what's going on is weird Mm -hmm. like can we take a step back and realize what's happening here and that's when the narrative really started shifting about that whole situation chelsea modern warrior banana marie and stuff and everybody Mm -hmm. started everything started coming to light and that's when a lot of the like the bulk of everything kind of calmed down for me um Mm -hmm. i'm not i still got mass reported and was dealing with all that but like a lot of the horrible comments kind of slowed down a little bit um but once all the support started coming through it really turned everything around and then i had people saying you know oh why don't you just take time offline why don't you just sign off and i'm like if i if i log off those people i first of all i'm very stubborn i'm not gonna let people feel like they won (laughs) and like push me off of my online space i didn't even ask to be involved yeah but now that i am i'm not gonna run away um and also my i was really worried you know i was one of the modern warrior was gone he was offline Mm -hmm. wasn't wasn't um engaged in this conversation at all so Mm -hmm. i was you know i had tons and tons of people millions of people so i guess focusing a lot of their like anti-native bs uh, in my direction yeah. and i was like well if i if i log off that's gonna go somewhere else 
And, right. you know, like that whole, for a couple weeks straight, the whole Native community was facing all kinds of harassment and mass reports. And it was awful. I, I saw multiple mutuals of mine dealing with insanity. Um, mm-hmm. One Native single mom that I, I knew, I, she woke up to death threats one day because of all this like implosion. Oh, it was crazy. Wow. Like It had yeah. the ripple effects that this the whole thing had. It was so ridiculous. It was yeah. insane. People yeah. just, I don't know. It was, it, it was very frustrating. Yeah. It's, I, yeah, I can't imagine like the all over an issue that should not have been online anyway. Exactly. I think people just smelled like chasing the views and chasing the cloud. Blood in the water. Yeah, exactly. And I I read that NBC article that talked about like the collateral damage of native people and the community. And I think that's what you're talking about, right? It was just Mm -hmm. like, okay, I got to shift this negative, weird energy on completely innocent people who have nothing to do with this because I'm racist. Like, that's so weird. It's so weird to me. That was the main concern of mine from the very beginning. Like, as soon as this all came out, I knew that a lot of people, millions of people, were Mm -hmm. waiting for Modern Warrior to mess up. And um, I... I wasn't um, defending him because mm-hmm. uh, I don't I don't really know him that well. Yeah. I didn't really know what was going on when the whole situation was happening. I wasn't defending him. I was mainly concerned about people using this as an opportunity to get out all their anti-native just oh, yeah. poison and spew mm-hmm. it everywhere. And I knew that was going to happen. I knew it. And mm-hmm. then, you know, other native people were worried about it too. Um, other people in the BIPOC community were worried about it too. And then everybody else was treating us like we were crazy. They're yeah. like, oh, this has nothing to do with race. You guys are bringing mm-hmm. race into it. And it's like, what do you mean? We don't <laughs> yeah. live in a bubble where when we don't live in a bubble where race suddenly ceases to exist. Exactly. And somebody yeah. reminding you of that is not uh, it was just it was very it was it was very yeah. it was a lot. It was mentally exhausting because mm-hmm. I was trying to have this important conversation and be like, hey, can we not use this as an opportunity to be racist and then everyone was like oh so you're just defending modern warrior oh it's like yeah. no actually <laughs> i'm really mad that you're putting me in a position where people think i am defending modern warrior like yeah ugh, just, it was a lot they're just putting words into your mouth right and shaping right, yeah. the narrative in their own little warped perspective right. yeah or, i mean after this whole situation i don't want to hear the the name chelsea modern warrior lance or amanda mm-hmm. or amanda marie ever again yeah. I will be good. Sorry if any of your <laughs> names out there are Lance, Chelsea, or Amanda, um, but I can't. I can't. <laughs> I'll, I'll be sure to inform my friend Amanda who, yeah. <laughs> who might interact with your content. Right. Like, yeah, yeah. Your, your name is a very sensitive yeah. topic. Just, I think you should change your name. Legally change your name. Yeah, no, just <laughs> kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> now, you talked a, uh, about how, like, Black TikTok came to your to your aid. Like, how was that experience? Because I, I know that one creator, is his name Patrick? Oh, Patrick. Yeah, Patrick. Yeah, how was that? Oh, my God. So, um, the way that Black TikTok showed up for the Native community and the harassment we were facing was... It was insane in the Mm -hmm. best way. I mean, like I said, the first couple days was just like me. Lots of other native creators were worried that this was going to be like opening the floodgates for Mm -hmm. racism in the native community. Um, And anytime we were trying to address that or talk about it, we were just getting swarmed and shut down. And lots of Chelsea and Amanda fans were, you know, jumping on us, um, calling us misogynists and stuff like that. And um, then once, you know, more more black content creators started seeing what was going on, I feel like the black community and the native community um, 
can share a lot of perspectives when it comes to um, our online interactions with um, non people of color. <laughs> yeah. So oh, um, yeah. I think they 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 saw our concerns. They saw what was happening, and they were like, "Whoa, whoa, 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 whoa. like what is happening here?" And so lots of um, black content creators like Patrick, um, Ebony Warrior Studios. Mm-hmm. Um, just tons and tons of large content creators were, and especially black women. Oh my God. Mm-hmm. Um, the way oh, cool. that so many black women were, you know, um, coming to the aid of the native women who were getting harassed was amazing. Um, yeah. and yeah. I will, I will remember that forever. I know a lot of people are like, Oh, it's just online stuff, but it's, mm-hmm. it's, yeah, it's online, but it's very reflective of the real world. I feel like, and oh, yeah. they, they really shifted the the conversation and made made um made the native community feel more protected and oh yeah i think that speaks a lot about um about black women in general black women are you know the most some of the most marginalized um people in the world and and they still find time to you know come and and help and mm-hmm. when they see that you know when they saw that native women were being harassed and attacked and swarmed you know i just mm-hmm. i can't thank them enough it was it was really cool to see and the way that um, native and black tiktok were able to collectively start laughing and joking around about the whole situation in oh, a yeah. way you know after a week of just horrible stuff happening the yeah. way we all started laughing and joking around with each other was just such a healing moment it was so it is, cute yeah. it really yeah it was so great <laughs> to witness how yeah. you know everything went from being total crap to how we were all laughing and making mm. all kinds of jokes, you know, finding new new followers or no new mutuals. And mm. I feel like it really created a bonding opportunity for the two communities. And oh, it was yeah. such a great thing to come out of the whole situation. It made me oh, so yeah. happy to see. <laughs> that's amazing. Cause like I think that's a big part of uh, especially like speaking on behalf of like um my native background, my my tribes and my nations and such. Laughter is such a big part of our healing process, whether you're dealing with emotional hurt, whether you're dealing with the loss of somebody like, you know, yeah, when you lose uh, a family member, quite often we do make jokes about the person and not not making fun of them, but just remembering the good times and reflecting on happier times and just mm-hmm. uh you know finding a way like i remember uh, my great uncle uh when he passed away it was in his his will that he had money set aside to throw a party for everybody at uh who attended his service so everybody after his service went to a bar and they all got drunk and talked about him and had a good Aww. time so <laughs> i was like that's really cool that. you know yeah that's and funny. it was uh, a big part of the the, the healing process and, and yeah i just wanted to talk a little bit about that because it's kind of the elephant in the room at this point right like it's you're still feeling the remnants of it and um you know i'm sure anybody listening has probably been following this from the get-go and right yeah it did take yeah. over tiktok for about a good I what know. three four weeks mm-hmm. <laughs> so it really did um yeah i mean i'm glad that most of it's over now and i mm-hmm. think like it's kind of stirred back up ever since Modern Warrior got back online, mm-hmm. <sighs> which I just really hope that, like I said, I'm post-blocked right now, which maybe mm-hmm. might be in my benefit because people can't find new content of mine to be mad about. But yeah, um, yeah it still sucks because I 
I would like to be making content. I have uh, videos I need to be posting. I've got mm-hmm. – I'm collaborating with uh, Lakota People's Law, the mm-hmm. Indigenous Community Center in Kansas. I've got lots of videos, oh, projects cool. that I need to be working on um, to be yeah. posting, and I currently can't because I don't oh, even know geez. why. When, my post block, I don't even know what it was for. I logged mm-hmm. on, and I saw that my profile picture had gotten deleted, so I guess people – reported my profile photo which it's just a selfie so yeah (laughs) i don't know but um crazy yeah it but whatever um Mm -hmm. yeah i i i'm just i'm kind of i don't know like i've been dealing with it for a month and a half now so Mm -hmm. yeah it's annoying but i'm like yeah just keep trucking it's fine whenever i get post blocked on tiktok i just keep making you know content on instagram or twitter it's like Mm -hmm. you can't post block me on everything you know every platform yeah. um so sorry <laughs> <laughs> sorry about anything, your luck i feel like it has fueled me even more to to do more you know take on more important mm-hmm. projects talk about more important issues well one i you know i wanted to take advantage of having a lot more traction on my social mm-hmm. media to talk about things that matter to me whether mm-hmm. it was the Navajo um, water crisis or MMIW or, mm-hmm. you know, promoting important things. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I felt a lot more drive, I guess, lately because of the whole situation, mm-hmm. which kind of yeah. backfired on the people trying to uh, discourage me. Yeah, that's yeah, it, it's a really tough situation. Now, in, in terms of your TikTok content, was there any one TikTok that kind of launched you to like the next level in terms of gaining more traction on TikTok? Was there anything uh, or was it just a series of the, like over the last over the whole drama? It was kind of just a series, to be honest, because mm-hmm. I think once everybody heard about what was going on with Modern Morgan Chelsea, everybody came to my page to see who the other woman was, even though I wasn't oh, the other woman. Yeah. And, uh, you know. That kind of blew up a lot of my recent TikToks that I was making. Um, and mm-hmm. then, you know, once I got perma banned, that's when lots of people started making videos about how, you know, I was a completely innocent bystander that got dragged into this and then I lost my mm-hmm. account. Yeah. Um, and that kind of um, me getting perma banned actually is what got my account a lot more traction, which kind of sounds weird. But once oh, I yeah. got unbanned, lots mm-hmm. of people found me and they were like, you know, people were reaching out like, hey, I'm sorry this happened. This really sucks. Um Mm-hmm. and engaging with my content i made a lot more new friends new mutuals like big creators that i had been following um mm-hmm. found me through that and followed me back like bob the drag queen followed oh me no way okay and i was like oh, oh right on God, that? <laughs> um that's great so uh yeah it was kind of the the getting banned that mm-hmm. kind of get, you know um made my account grow versus a particular video um mm-hmm. some videos i mean anything i made addressing the situation or laughing about it Definitely mm-hmm. got a lot more views. Um, but uh yeah, that whole couple weeks kind of yeah was a skyrocketed thing. Yeah. Yeah. I, I remember one TikTok you did. This was I think at, at the end of twenty twenty one, maybe November ish, maybe in the fall, because you were talking about pumpkin spice latte and oh, how God, it's an indigenous spice. indigenous drink. Oh, <laughs> Can you talk about your creation of that TikTok oh, and what it did gosh. to your comment section on that one? Jeez. So I was just making a joke because you know how everybody always says, oh, pumpkin spice lattes are like basic white girl stuff. Oh, and yeah. I remember um, <laughs> like that wasn't a, a completely original joke. I remember I had seen someone mention briefly about how like – I don't know if it was in a tweet mm-hmm. or – I remember hearing somebody say um, pumpkins are indigenous to the Americas, so it's not a basic white girl thing. And yeah. so I was like, that's a good joke actually. But um, yeah. so I guess like maybe a few months later, I was – I want to say it was in the fall whenever I made that joke. Um, yeah. 
I think oh it was it was November because it was no nuance November and I was like I'm gonna I'm gonna make a TikTok and make people mad. I wasn't really actually. I thought people <laughs> would assume it was a joke, um, yeah. which it was. Yeah. I was like, you know, pumpkins are indigenous to the Americas, so that means pumpkin spice lattes are a native drink. You know, yeah. just kidding. And oh, oh yeah. my god, <laughs> the amount I. You would have thought I I had like ran over someone's dog on purpose. It was yeah. the I got comments ranging from what so now I can't drink pumpkin spice lattes <laughs> to well you know that um there's not actually a pumpkin in pumpkin spice lattes and then I had to be like oh, no. no yes there is there's pumpkin puree what are you talking about like look at the recipe yeah. and they're like well d- 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 no yeah. and like people yeah. arguing with me over the composition of pumpkin spice lattes over different types of squash people mm-hmm. saying like what is it cultural appropriation now to drink pumpkin spice lattes like oh, no. freaking out and i'm like this was just a joke please <laughs> yeah god i was it's, like i never want to hear a I, 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 it was it was wild that's unbelievable that was i think i was one of one i don't think it was the first tiktok i saw from you but like it was one of the i remember it's probably one of my earliest uh, memories of watching your tiktoks and uh <laughs> people were stitching funny. it making whole like trying to do academic analysis of my video like really well a, a pumpkins are indigenous to the americas but you know what is it the the spices and there's <laughs> oh, there's no. milk in it and blah blah yeah. blah and that actually comes from here so da, 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 that's actually a global drink and i was like oh my god please yeah. it was just a joke man i don't <laughs> actually like uh, it was wild i was like man why are y'all so upset about this yeah it's <laughs> it's a it, hot button issue <laughs> it really apparently. is who knew a uh, pumpkin spice latte would would fire up like so yeah, many people. Uh, people were flagging my video for hate speech <laughs> I, got a, really? I got a hate speech flag i appealed it of course and it got taken off because i didn't yeah. actually you know do hate speech but like yeah. it, was, it was wild oh my gosh yeah tiktok's such a it's such a wild west thing because i've been post blocked i think there's people out there who report me as well um mm-hmm. so on my Dead by Daylight stuff, I've posted gameplay clips and um, I'll post it and it, it'll get some decent traction. And like a day or two later, I get a notification saying it violates terms of service That's and so weird. community guidelines. And <laughs> I've got, I think, two or three of those on my account. So for a while, I was my my TikToks were getting um, I hate the word shadow ban. Like they were getting they were not getting the views. They were right. Not no, getting I mean, I, I really think that's I mean, it's a thing. And I've, yeah. I saw it firsthand whenever um, I got my account back. So um, like when the when everything was happening, I was getting like millions of views on my TikTok. And then mm-hmm. um, once. Like when I got my backup account, I was getting millions of views on that. And then people started mass reporting me again. My backup account got taken down. And then all of a sudden, one day, barely anybody was seeing my TikToks. It was so weird. Um, And I, you know, I actually had a, I got on, I got a phone call talking to one of the TikTok um, creator managers saying like, yeah, if a lot of people mass report a certain video within a certain amount of time, um, one, it'll automatically get flagged and taken down, you know, just in case. And Mm -hmm. two, um, you know, if it's viewed as problematic content, it'll get, you know, suppressed. It won't show up on the For You page as much. And Mm -hmm. so I was like, there for a while, everything I was posting, I could tell like there for the first 20 minutes, it would be great. Like I would get Mm -hmm. thousands of views. Um, And like I would get almost, or no, not thousands of views, like thousands of likes, I mean. Mm -hmm. Um, And then all of a sudden after about 15, 20 minutes, nothing. 
it was so wow. bizarre. Um, yeah. it, it, like I would watch my views going up and up and up. And then once 15, 20 minutes hit, it would just mm-hmm. plateau. It was it was weird. Um, yeah. So I definitely think that's a thing now after after yeah. watching what was happening to my content there for a bit. Um, yeah. It, yeah, I believe def- it. yeah, because and I believe it's in their uh, community guidelines that there's the I can't remember the exact wording, but I remember like if there's any strikes or violations on your account, your content won't be pushed out as much. And mm-hmm. it's so crazy to me because like ev- even now I'll see some of my TikToks performing really well. You know, I'll post them, I'll go to sleep, I'll post them, I'll go play video games, and I'll check them a bit later. I'm like, wow, this is doing really well, and then just dies despite yeah. having lots of engagement shares comments mm-hmm. yeah it's um, frustrating for sure <laughs> it really is um how much has you how much has your approach to tiktok changed through this process like do you are you more self-conscious like are you second guessing yourself or mm-hmm. how's that going for you if anything i feel like it's made me more i guess solid in my stance and who i am because mm-hmm. um you know, dealing with thousands of people hating my guts um, yeah. for a while and not, you know, that drama went on. For, you know, there was new updates like every single day. So people didn't oh, yeah. get bored instantly. People mm-hmm. were constantly coming back and checking it out. Trisha Paytas was talking about it. It was all over YouTube drama. I saw channels that. And stuff yeah. Like that. <laughs> and so, you know, people weren't getting bored of it instantly. So mm-hmm. it kind of dragged out. And, you know, after having that many people constantly coming to my channel and being awful, I I don't know. I feel like I dealt with that, so mm-hmm. I can deal with whatever now. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't really oh, yeah. bother me anymore. So I feel like, yeah. I, if anything, I I'm more um, solid in who I am. I, I just now I, I was getting a little second. I guess I did second guess myself in a sense of like I was feeling a lot more responsibility because mm-hmm. my platform got really big. I was at this like you know involved in all this drama that was really popular, and I was like, yeah. how can I how can I utilize this new attention to you know talk about important issues um, Mm -hmm. and raise awareness about um, like native, uh, whether it's MMIW, like I said, or the Navajo water Mm -hmm. crisis or or things that would help and benefit native people, indigenous people. Um, I felt a lot of pressure in that sense, Um, but Mm -hmm. that's about it. Yeah. I I wanted to talk about that a little bit with you. And I talked with you ahead of time just to make sure you're, you're okay with discussing this and just a quick trigger warning for anybody listening the the next section we're going to talk about that i'm going to ask uh witchy about is uh regarding missing and murdered indigenous women movement now it does involve very sensitive issues and violence and murder involving indigenous women and two-spirit individuals in canada and the u.s so if that's a trigger for you i just want to give you that heads up you know i'll I'll do my best to leave timestamps in the podcast uh but it is a very serious issue and i i wanted to talk to you a little bit about that and just how you how you're getting involved and educating yourself i'm asking for myself as well because it's there's so many things that we as native people have to consider right and and Mm -hmm. there's so many things so many issues out there it it can be pretty overwhelming too oh yeah overwhelming for sure there's there's yeah everywhere you look when when you start you know becoming more involved and connected to your community at least for me everywhere you look there is an issue that needs to be addressed that's dire you know it's it's a lot um but uh yeah so um for mmiw i um 
As for what I'm doing to get involved right now, I do. Uh, so I do have a video I, I have to make. I'm actually hoping to get it um, done by the end of the day and send it to um, the Indigenous Community Center in Kansas. Okay. Um, they reached out to me for, um, you know, to make videos because uh, I, I guess they've seen some of the videos I've done in the past and um, talking about, you know, collaborations, um, talking about, I guess they're doing an MMIW com- campaign since, you know, May 5th is the National Awareness Day for Missing and Murdered Indigenous Women here in the U.S. I want to say it's in Canada, too. Um, mm-hmm. Anyways, so I have that that I'm doing for them. Um, and then at the end of the month, there is a march that I'm going to in North Carolina um, okay. that they're doing for MMIW and um, to raise awareness about that. I was trying to organize a vigil here in my town mm-hmm. for May 5th. Um, but I contacted the city, um, special events coordinator. I contacted the park I would need to get a permit for, and no one ever, uh, got back to me about it. So, oh, wow. um, I'm going to have to just keep trying it. I guess it can't be on the fifth cause I'm running out of time, but, yeah. um, I'm trying to get involved that way. Um, it feels like there's always so much to do and mm-hmm. just not enough of me to go around, whether it's oh, like, yeah. um, you know, making videos or talking about it online. And I guess I'm trying to do a lot because I, I feel bad that I'm I'm not near my nation, so I can't physically help out my people. Oh, right. Um, yeah. But I can at least, you know, I'm good at making videos and mm-hmm. I have a platform now. I can at least do that. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it gets, it's a really tough issue to talk about because um, like I, I've got one example of, this is part of the reason why I'm, I'm not as vocal about native issues in in my social media, just because like the ba- the backlash you can get from just sharing your thoughts, uh, whether it, it, you know, and I presented them in a very respectful manner, you'll get so much weird energy from non-native people and, and native people as well. Um, mm-hmm. No, I totally understand. Yeah, like I was. Um, I dabbled with online film criticism, so I used to go to like film festivals and write reviews and i still have a movie podcast which we're getting back up and running these days um so part of what i do is i yeah i watch a movie i'll tweet about it i'll say here's i saw this movie this is what i think i don't know if you've seen wind river or if you've heard about it it's a lot it's an older native movie right it's i want to say it's from maybe oh it's from 2017 i I still have the imdb window (laughs) tab open Uh... It's called I'm really Wind- bad with names. Yeah, it's starring uh, Jeremy Renner and Elizabeth Olsen. Graham Greene is in it as well. Okay. And oh, is that the one about? Um, maybe I haven't seen it for a minute. I thought I had, but nah, I guess not. Oh, uh, okay. So anyway, the the writer director of the film, his name is Taylor Sheridan. He's he's essentially a white guy telling uh, a story of of missing and murdered indigenous women from Mm -hmm. his perspective it was one of the it was one of the first scripts he ever wrote and he wrote some really big movies that you know he's he's got a sicario was one of the one of his big movies that came out that got a Mm -hmm. lot of traction so he's got a lot of power in hollywood now the script he wrote for wind river um involves a woman getting murdered on an oil field and um i think it's a really important story and uh, he actually had offers to sell his script, like, but he didn't want to do it because he's like, it's very personal to me. It's I feel like if I sold it, I would lose control over it. I don't know what they're going to do with it. So he really wanted to tell that story. So he did direct the movie. And of course, 
it's told from the perspective of um, the local white guy, the kind of local authority figure who's investigating this murder. Right off the get-go, it's a really tough and sensitive issue because it's a Native story being told right. from the perspective mm-hmm. of a white person. But I still think it was worth watching. And in the movie, he does talk about some facts about how many cases go unsolved, like these real human lives that have been lost. Um and talking about how it doesn't get covered in the media, how authorities don't follow up on these reports. And it's it's just a really important, important conversation. And the movie's really tough to watch, but it, I think it's a great movie. And I posted a, all these thoughts on Twitter and uh, I upset a lot of Native people as a result. Because they're like, well, how you like, how can you support this white man telling our story? And I'm like, I I get where you're coming from. But he's using his position of power to raise awareness to a very important topic that hopefully more people will be following up on. I got death threats from native people and um, people were showing they were showing me um, videos and animated GIFs of <laughs> like native people shooting white guys. And it, it got really out of control. <laughs> so it's like that's, it, it's that's uh, yeah, it's really it's really strange. So when, when you're talking about these things, you just you just don't know where it's going to end up. Right. But uh, yeah. And like I, I, I totally see. I, I get both sides of the argument because oh, it yeah. it's, it's a very nuanced and tricky situation. Like mm-hmm. both, those are both, you know, valid arguments and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, when you start threatening and, and harming other native people over stuff like that, it's kind of defeating the purpose. Like, <laughs> Oh yeah. 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 And that's, that's kind of what I tried to say. And I, I, it reached a point where I said, Hey, you know, it's, it's very clear. We're not seeing eye to eye and we're not going to agree on the same thing. So I'm just going to be removing myself from this discussion. And like months later, I got an email from Twitter saying that person you reported got banned for a day or two. <laughs> it was just so weird. Cause like a month later, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, that was a weird time in my life. But yeah. as a result of that, I'm like, man, I, I don't know if I want to go down those roads. So it's, it's tough, right? Like, yeah, and where do you draw that line? It is hard for sure, um, especially because you know there's so many, uh, so many native, you know, all native people are at different points in their journeys, or you know, mm-hmm. there we all have our own, you know, generational and historical traumas that we're dealing with, our mm-hmm. um, our emotional responses, stuff like that. Um, I always try and keep that in mind whenever I do, you know, disagree with other native people or. Mm-hmm. Um, because I mean, there's always going to be discourse and, and oh, yeah. disagreements and stuff like that. And, um, even during the whole TikTok drama, I had native people that I ended up having fallouts with, um, okay. which was really unfortunate actually. It was so weird because mm-hmm. th- that whole situation had lots of blowback, lots of, it, the ripple effects caused lots of other native people to, it fractured the native community in a way, but mm-hmm. yeah, fallout like that, it can be really hard. And I feel like it, it almost hurts even more whenever it's coming from your own community in a way because oh, yeah. you like, you expect blowback and and um, stuff like that uh, hardcore from outside the community but within mm-hmm. your own community you, you at least think you know if if we're going to disagree there's going to be um some sort of common ground that w- would keep it from escalating like that but it's not always the case and I, I try to keep in mind when there is disagreements and it escalates like that our hurt people hurt people mm-hmm. and our community as a whole has been very hurt historically generationally etc um so i try and keep that in mind but it does make it you know hard to uh oh yeah when it comes to um disagreements with other natives mm-hmm. 
Yeah, it's yeah, it, it's really tough. But I, I think the good thing is that we we do have people like you out there, you know, raising awareness and and uh, using our platform for good and for good intentions. And um, people don't always understand those messages, and it's really unfortunate when that happens. But I think it's really you know the things that you're doing are. are very empowering like uh i can say personally like as as a native individual i i feel very empowered when i see you doing really well on tiktok or twitch or twitter instagram like it really means a lot and um you know i I don't want to say like i don't want to pressure you but like you know you're kind of a pillar in the community whether whether you like it or not yeah i know i I know you (laughs) that means a lot it really does it's just also like i feel like i'm just bumbling my way through everything and just trying my best so whenever i hear stuff like that i'm like (laughs) (laughs) right because like yeah because you know me um i I grew up on the res and i moved moved away my parents um moved us to a different part of the res like uh and uh once i graduated high school you know i lived at home for a couple of years and i moved out and started my life in a different city you know off the res and i remember going back home one time and talking with with one of my friends i grew up with one of my childhood friends he was like you know a lot of us aren't gonna leave here and he's like it's really cool that you left and you're doing your thing and you know living your life and at the time i was working at a local grocery store and um, that was a really big deal. Like I, I would have like native people giving me the the native nod and you know the approval Aww. and you know that was a that was a really cool thing. So I, I that think that cool. I think that it, it's it's easy for you to be completely unaware of the impact you might be making. So that's why I wanted to tell you that piece because Thank you. you know I think it's really important to acknowledge. Um, when you're doing a good thing. And I, I think it's fine to accept that. And because I, I think it's kind of in our DNA to be like, no, that's not me at all. I'm just doing my <laughs> thing. <laughs> right. But like, because, yeah. you know, especially where I grow up and my culture, uh, we're, we're taught in a way to be sort of, what's the word, sort of humble. Like mm-hmm. even if you're succeeding in something, you're not really out there bragging and right, making yeah. a show of things. Um mm-hmm. So when when you hear these compliments and stuff, it it can be hard to accept that. But yeah, it's and in that same vein, you know, like a lot of I think a lot of tribes are like that. Like mine, um, for the Diné people, we um, uh, the basically epicenter of our our teachings is um basically translates to walk in beauty, like walk in balance, harmony. Okay. Um, and so sometimes. It, it can definitely be hard, especially, you know, navigating social media and with a platform mm-hmm. like this. Like sometimes I, I want to walk in beauty, but sometimes people act stupid and I have a hard time with that. So it's <laughs> yeah. it's definitely tricky, like walking the balance of like being, you know, being humble and being trying to be all, you know, calm and stuff. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, having to stand up and put your foot down and be like, no, this isn't OK. You need to like yeah. stay in your lane. And yeah, it's, it's hard. But back to what you were saying. Yeah, I don't yeah. know. I, I want I like hearing the word, you know, pillar in the community kind of makes me start getting the nervous sweats. Um, uh, yeah. <laughs> no, just, I mean, like, it's just I don't I don't feel qualified. I guess maybe I just mm-hmm. have imposter syndrome. I don't know. But that's yeah. still really it means a lot to hear. I just yeah. at the same time, I almost feel guilty because it's like I, I wrestle with this whole mindset of, well, I haven't lived the native experience. I didn't grow up on the res. My grandma, my grandma moved away from the Navajo Nation by herself when she graduated high school mm-hmm. um, and went to college by herself. 
She didn't know anybody. Right. She's incredible. Um, mm. And so my mom, my mom was raised in New Mexico, but not in the Navajo Nation. And then me, I was raised in Alabama. So I'm um, two generations. Like me and my mom, we didn't grow up in the reserva- on the reservation. Mm-hmm. So I feel sometimes a little guilty, like I've been given this platform, but I haven't quote unquote lived the native experience. And then I realized recently, um, I have lived the native experience. I've lived a native experience, not the, because yeah. there isn't yeah. one monolithic native experience. There is, there is, of course, you know, natives who grow up connected and on the reservation or in their nation and stuff like that. But then there's a lot of people like me who, you know, a, a, a judge or the government using religion to take native babies away from native women is tale as old as time. I have lived a native experience. Um, yeah. You know, estrangement is very common in our families because of all the generational trauma and, mm-hmm. and you know, the, the just lots of stuff that is, I feel like fractures relationships um, has happened yeah. in our, our, our communities. And so that's common. Estrangement happens. And, you know, I'm trying to find my way back. And I feel like that is a very native experience. There isn't. Mm-hmm. So I'm trying to shift that mindset from like, yeah, I, I don't, I will never speak on what it's like to grow up, you know, in my nation, what it's like to grow up connected, because that's not my experience. My experience is being removed and trying to find my way back. So I, yeah. I guess, I don't know. I'm just struggling with imposter syndrome when it comes to hearing uh, things like that. <laughs> yeah. Cause I, I remember you really struggled with the idea of being invited to that TikTok event. Yeah. Uh, with the native content creators. Like you, you declined that, right? That, mm-hmm. ex- that invitation. How, what was that like? And do you, do you have any regrets about declining that? So um, I, I declined being promoted by TikTok. Um, I think they offered, they wanted me to be part of like the TikTok nat- like Native Heritage Month campaign mm-hmm. where they would like promote my channel and, and stuff like that. And I didn't want to take that because I... I'm sure that had limited spots and I didn't want to um, take that away from someone who was raised in the culture or who can speak speak more mm-hmm. on being connected and stuff. Um, but then there was a little Zoom party, like a meetup, I guess, they had invited people to. And I was like, well, I mean, it's a Zoom party. Mm-hmm. I can at least like show up and just hang out. And it wasn't like the the one with Nicki Minaj or whatever. This was just with other native okay. creators. Yeah. Um, so I was like, well, I'll at least let myself show up to that. Um, so I, I did that. I kind of compromised. I was like, I'm not going to okay. do the promo because I don't <laughs> feel comfortable with that, but I can at yeah. least like, you know, in private kind of, mm-hmm. um, at least meet up and hang out with some of my mutuals and stuff in the zoom call. Mm-hmm. Um, so I did that and I don't think I regret it. If anything, mm-hmm. it was a good reminder to try and compromise when it comes to things like that, like mm-hmm. pass up on, I, I don't want to, um, over speak or I don't want to be. Um, I, I want to um, amplify other voices and more marginalized people in the community mm-hmm. um, when I can and yeah. also utilize my platform to, you know, raise awareness about other. I don't know. It, it, it's weird. Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah. The, the thing is, like, um, one of the things I wanted to talk about is just kind of we're products of the system, right? You're a product of the system. I'm a product of the system. Um, I don't speak any of my my native tongue at all because like trigger warning to people out there, um, you know, my my father and his parents before him, they were they were physically beaten if they spoke their native tongue in school. So it was physically beaten out of our people. So uh, my father didn't learn the language. I didn't learn it. As a result, growing up and, and until like maybe my late 30s, I was really ashamed of not knowing my language and feeling embarrassed about that. But then I remembered, I'm like, wait, that's just, they accomplished their mission, you know, mm-hmm. the uh, 
the attempted genocide of my people um, wasn't fully successful, but it was successful in many ways. And mm-hmm. um, even as a you know full-blooded native guy, um, there are times when I don't feel native enough because I don't speak as I don't know the language the way my cousins do or other people in the community. And uh, that, that can be really tough. And, and that's what I'm talking about when I mention like there's nuance within nations, within tr- even within tribes, mm-hmm. within family trees. Like it, it, it's wild out there. <laughs> yeah, so. I, know, I really I know it completely. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I definitely developed, like you said, how you you shifted from being ashamed of not knowing to being like, well, no, that just makes sense. Like that was, mm-hmm. it's not that that was intentional. Yeah, I kind of had a similar experience, except I shifted from anger to sympathy in a way because I I was really initially I was really when I first started you know reconnecting and stuff I was really frustrated. I was like, I wish I could have grown up connected to my community. I wish mm-hmm. my mom would have taught me. I wish my mom. I wish my mom would have learned so she could have taught me. But yeah. then, you know, as I got more, you know, learned more, started developing more compassion and understanding for my my people and my family, I was like, my my, I'm the same way that you know, my my grandma went to um, Indian boarding school. Um, mm-hmm. She was physically hit if she was caught speaking Navajo. Um, so, of course, it's going to be hard for her to pass that. I mean, like, you know, you're a little kid. Imagine how that conditions your brain. You're going to associate speaking oh, yeah. your language with pain. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's going to wire your brain to associate speaking your language with physical pain. Yeah. Um, and, of course, you know, it's going to be hard for you to speak your language. And you're not going to want to pass that on to your child because you're going to think if my, you know, subconsciously, you're like, I'm going to be endangering my child Mm -hmm. so of course you know maybe my grandma wasn't as motivated to pass it on to my mother and so my mother didn't know and so i didn't know and once i you know really started connecting the dots i felt i I shifted from frustration and anger to just sympathy and sadness but also Mm -hmm. i guess resolve like i'm gonna i'm gonna learn this it skipped my mom but it's not gonna skip me oh that's amazing that that's incredibly powerful and i i witnessed this on your twitch streams because there are times when um when you when you i I, is it a channel point redemption Mm -hmm. where you practice navajo like how Mm -hmm. how did you incorporate that and like what are some of the resources you can use to practice your your language while streaming on twitch um well i struggle really i have adhd like it messes with my like i I mean it it impacts like every single aspect of my life so i Mm -hmm. really struggle with um keeping routines and being consistent and keeping up with habits um and learning navajo is something that's very important to me um reconnecting has become the most important thing in my life you know i'm wanting to move closer to my nation and my family i um i've really just kind of changed my focus to be around that. So learning my language is very, very important to me. Um, Mm -hmm. And I know that ADHD can make that very difficult um, because when it comes to language learning, consistency is key. You have to practice all the time. And I was like, well, the best way for me to do that is to have people like an exterior force being uh, holding me accountable to do that. Right. Right. So that's how I decided to do the channel point redemption. That way people can make sure I'm practicing every single day. And people are really, I mean, I get like multiple redemptions every single stream. People wanting me to go through my flashcards. And also, Mm -hmm. you know, I have lots of native people in my community who are like, ah, got to practice. I have lots of Navajo Um, people in my community actually (laughs) who, you know, they want to come by, make sure I'm practicing, see how I'm improving, stuff like that. And so Mm. it's made a huge difference. I practice multiple times every single weekday. Um, Oh, cool. And 
being able to do that almost publicly, of course, um, you know, it, I'm sure lots of people aren't really paying attention when I'm practicing, but being able mm -hmm. to publicly reclaim and relearn this language is like me being able to say a public fuck you to the teachers who oh, yeah. tried to beat it out of my grandmother. It's like, yeah. you didn't win. Yeah, that's amazing. That, that must be incredibly empowering, right? To to be able yeah, to Yeah, mm -hmm. I remember the first time I ever learned, a, an, I, I learned the Navajo puppy song. Um, it's like a I guess pretty common popular little kids song when kids are learning Navajo. I learned it and I sang it on my Twitch stream and I just started bawling. I didn't even know why. I just instantly oh, wow. burst into tears because I, I just feel like singing in my native language for the first time in my life mm -hmm. and in front of people was just so just something in my DNA just was so it was just overwhelming. I was yeah. I just cried like a yeah. baby. Oh, um, wow. But yeah, it's it's definitely very important to me. Oh yeah. Yeah. And I, I've noticed your community is very supporting and I love to, to see that. And interesting thing is when, when I'm in your Twitch stream, we talked earlier about how, you know, you were up super late, like learning how to make emotes and stuff. And like, that's mm -hmm. like your most productive time. So when I'm in your stream, I'm usually like working on my TikToks <laughs> and like, it's usually super late, but I'm up <laughs> anyway and yeah. doing stuff and being productive while watching you play Spyro or, or you know, uh, little nightmares and stuff like that. So, um, you mentioned, well, thanks. <laughs> yeah, you mentioned earlier, uh, cause I noticed in your, I think it's in your TikTok profile and your Twitch profile, um, how you have ADHD and, um, how important is that to you to being upfront about that with people and like, do you, do you like to educate people about that? Like, how is yeah. your approach to yeah. ADHD? Um, so like I've said earlier, I am a chronic oversharer. Um, and I, I don't know, I've always just been a very open book and I, I, I talk a lot, um, which is part of ADHD. So yeah. um, I talk a lot <laughs> and I talk a lot about things that are important to me. So, mm -hmm. you know, getting my ADHD diagnosis back in 2020, um, was very important to me, um, because mm -hmm. it, it, it's life changing. Um, I know a lot of people associate ADHD with just being hyper, but it's not. It's um, you know, it, it goes hand like it's similar to autism. Um, they're in the same okay. kind of category. They're neurodevelopmental mm -hmm. disorders. Um, so it's not like a mental illness like depression or anxiety that can come and go. Your you know ADHD is a your brain is hardwired differently, um, yeah. and it can, it can actually overlap a lot with some autism symptoms. Um, so it was a big deal for me, um, mm -hmm. and I was very open about my process mainly because um, growing up with undiagnosed ADHD, uh, I had my self-esteem was rock bottom. And I yeah. always thought that, you know, self-esteem was, you know, how you saw yourself. Like I was like, oh, I don't think that I'm, you know, I think I'm okay. I, I don't know. Like, I don't think I'm ugly. I, you know, mm -hmm. I, I don't have low self-esteem. But then once I really started, I got diagnosed and I started going to therapy, I realized my self-esteem is rock bottom when it comes to how I view myself. Yeah. I thought I was just unreliable, forgetful, irresponsible, mm -hmm. stupid. You know, like that was my internal monologue my whole life. Um yeah getting written off as um, problem child, mm -hmm. forgetful, lazy, really just tank my self-esteem. And so oh, no. the reason why I wanted to be so open about it was because I know that there are other people out there who grew up just like me. And I want them to know you're not stupid. You're not lazy. Mm -hmm. You just weren't having your needs met as a child who grew up with undiagnosed ADHD. Um, yeah. And if it can help – and most of the time um, – so ADHD – 
can be genetic as well. Um, I got mine from my dad, actually. Oh, my okay. dad got diagnosed um, when uh, I was like a teenager, but he never had me evaluated. Mm-hmm. Um, he just, it was so weird. Like my dad is the one who I got ADHD from, which makes right. sense. Like, I mean, looking back at how he was when I was growing up, it checks out. But he was the one who would always mock me for being forgetful or give me a really hard time or, you know, write me off as a problem child. So it's like, oh, oh no. thanks, dad. So like, yeah. if I can... If my oversharing and being annoying online can help somebody see or realize, hey, I might have ADHD, and then maybe they go to the doctor and they get an evaluation and they find out they do have it, and then they can realize, oh, my child is exhibiting these symptoms, and then you know they can help their child too, which has actually mm-hmm. happened. Like, there's oh, a wow. um, a girl I know in real life. Her name's Kendall. Um, mm-hmm. She uh she was you know watching my, you know keeping up with me and my ADHD journey and stuff like that and I I think she started looking into um more resources and learning about it and she um she was working with her doctor and went and got an evaluation and got diagnosed with ADHD which actually women um particularly women of color but women in general are very underdiagnosed because a lot of the um diagnostic um I guess what's the word I'm looking for um. The signs or, or symptoms? Yeah, or? it was written around um, men. Mm-hmm. And okay. ADHD can present differently in women. Um, oh, okay. so Oh, I wasn't aware of that. Mm-hmm. So, and women, um, like little girls, um, you're not going to be jumping out of your seat as much usually. I mean, you can. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, little girls are more likely to be talkative or more likely to be seen as like daydreamy. Mm-hmm. Or, like you know, their hyperactivity isn't running around the room. It can be. Um, right, which right. Mine, mine had been whenever I was little. I remember one time we were in church. My dad took me to church and I just got up in the middle of service and just literally started running laps around the room. For no oh, okay. Um, yeah. <laughs> but oh, like, wow. um, a lot of times there's that girls, problem child again. <laughs> yeah. A lot of times yeah. girls, um, will be really like talk a lot, talk really fast, be really forgetful. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, be really daydreamy or be viewed as daydreamy. Um, right. and you know, there's all kinds of other symptoms like, you know, executive functioning problems, um, working memory problems, um, inability to be on time, constantly being late, time blindness, mm. stuff like that. Right. So anyways, women are uh, underdiagnosed when it comes to ADHD and autism. Okay. So um, my friend my friend in real life ended up getting diagnosed and then she found out that her son actually has severe ADHD because when she found out it could be hereditary, she's like, oh, mm-hmm. I think I think something's I think something's up on my mm-hmm. my son. So she yeah. went and she got him evaluated and his like he scored like off the charts. Like the doctor oh, was wow. like like the specialist instantly mm-hmm. um diagnosed him and he actually started medication and she said he is so much more he's like he can actually express his emotions more now and like before she says that he would um if he was be upset he didn't know how to communicate what was wrong and now she said that there was one night where he came into her room when she was sitting in there at the end of the night and he said mom i wanted to talk to you about something it really bothers me a lot when you do this like oh, wow. verbalizing yeah. these issues. And oh my God, it just, it made me tear up because yeah. I remember being younger and not being able to verbalize why I was so upset because, you know, when your mind is racing so fast, you struggle with emotional regulation issues and mm-hmm. seeing the a kid, I was thinking back to myself at that age and it just was healing for my inner child in a way because I'm like, hey, there's a oh, kid yeah. who's not going to be growing up. Like they, they have tools and they have a supportive parent who's educated on this. They're wow. 
they have a chance to not grow up and have horrible self-esteem because of undiagnosed ADHD. And it was just, mm-hmm. it made me so happy. So that is one of the main reasons why I just am very vocal about yeah. my ADHD journey, mm-hmm. I guess, over the last couple of years since I got diagnosed. Yeah. I think that's really important. And just listening to you talk right now, like I'm learning a lot uh, because I'm, I'm not too familiar with uh, ADHD. And the, the, that's one of the other things I wanted to talk to you about is um, what are some stereotypes out there that kind of make your skin crawl when people talk about ADHD? Like, is there anything out there that in the public forum where people... Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know. People just thinking that it's mainly... I guess the biggest misconception is that when you, well, a lot of people, when they think of ADHD, they think of just the stereotypical little boy in in mm-hmm. class who can't sit still and is really loud and really hyperactive, like physically. And oh, yeah. while that is definitely a way that ADHD manifests, that's not the only way. And um, um, I think that misconception leads is is a huge contributing factor as to why women are underdiagnosed um, when it comes to ADHD and autism. Like I said, um, right. Also, a lot of people think. People don't realize how severe ADHD can be um, because people think that ADHD is just, oh, look, it's a squirrel. I'm distracted, which that's not it at all. Oh, ADHD yeah. can – it can make your life a living hell. It really can. Like, mm-hmm. you know um, – and I didn't even realize when I started learning about it, I realized how much it affected every aspect of my life, including how I communicate with others. Right. In regular conversations. Um, and once I started getting treatment for it and, um, you know, started medication, the biggest thing I noticed when I started my, my medication was conversations were so much easier because oh, good. Yeah. I could actually listen to what somebody was saying instead mm-hmm. of one, just I like my internal monologue. Well, like my, I'm like, Focus on what they're saying. Don't get distracted. Yeah. Stop thinking about like I have to constantly be reining in my thoughts. Like pay attention yeah. to what they're saying. They're talking to yeah. you. Stop being oh, so yeah. careless. Yeah. You know, like um, or I would forget what I was going to say. Like trying to hold on to a thought so I don't forget it, mm-hmm. and then I I I lose track of what they're saying or accidentally interrupting people because yeah. I get so excited. Um, ADHD you struggle with impulse control a lot. Okay. I've learned. Um, so because mm-hmm. I've learned that, I can work on it better. But um, yeah, I learned that it impacts so many things from, you know, work, relationships, speech, everything. And um, mm. so, yeah, it, it's a lot more than people think. It's not just, oh, yeah. oh yeah. I'm distracted. Look, there's something shiny. Or people will think, oh, I get distracted sometimes. I must have ADHD. And it's like, oh, yeah, everybody gets distracted. Everybody can be late sometimes. Everybody struggles with procrastination. Just it's Mm -hmm. like saying everybody struggles with seeing long distances. Right. But only some people need glasses. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody has headaches, but only some people struggle with migraines. Right. Um, So, and then I also, you know, there's people that are like, oh, ADHD isn't real. Why don't you just get a planner? And it's like, why didn't I think of that? Oh, geez. That would be so much cheaper than paying for doctor's appointments and paying for medication every month and paying for therapy and paying for ADHD coaching. Like, where was that person your whole life? Like, easily, they had the problem, the the solution was right right under your nose the whole time. Say that to like the 10 empty planners that I have bought over the years. Like, I buy them, (laughs) I use them for like two days, and then I forget they exist. Oh, yeah. But, um, Gosh, I don't know. I, I just I try and be really open about it too because I struggle with you know being forgetful. Just like when we had planned our podcast for oh. <laughs> last <laughs> yeah. week, I yeah. totally I thought that I had messaged you back, and I I was mm-hmm. like, didn't we have a podcast plan? I wonder why Crow didn't message me back. So oh, then yeah. I went and I looked, and turns out mm-hmm. I wasn't the one that had messaged you back, and I was like, oh yeah. my god. Yeah. So <laughs> I'm I'm so overly afraid that people are going to think that it's it's because I don't care. 
Right. I do those things. I try and be really yeah. open. Like, no, I have severe ADHD and I'm not using it mm-hmm. as an excuse. I'm trying to like, I yeah. try like today for our um, podcast, I set multiple alarms because okay, I, yeah. that's how I have to make sure I'm going to make it. I'm, I try yeah. not to use it as an excuse, but I just want people mm-hmm. to know that's the reason why this happens mm-hmm. if it does. Yeah. So I guess it's kind of a defense mechanism too to try and yeah. explain. Like, it's not that I don't care because it could be mm-hmm. the most important thing in the world to me. Oh, yeah. But I, I might still be late because I forgot to get gas or I lost oh, yeah. something or mm-hmm. I lost track of time or yeah. my I don't know. I let my phone die and my alarm didn't go off, you know, like <laughs> yeah. anything. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I, I was very uh, understanding when you did follow up because, you know, uh, myself, uh, you know, I'm, I've not been diagnosed with ADHD. Uh, I still struggle with, you know, forgetting to message people back or, mm-hmm. or being late for something or. Uh, just letting things slip my mind just because like there's so many things in this world that we have to focus our energy yeah. on. Yeah, especially and when you're a content creator and managing multiple yeah. platforms. Oh, yeah, exactly. Like I had a situation where uh, I received three invites from three different people for similar events. And I responded to two of them saying, yeah, I'm down. Just let me know when. And the third person, I thought I responded to them. <laughs> so it's was like, you know. I was like, oh, I haven't heard back from that person yet. I was like, the one person I haven't heard back from. And I left him on red. And oh, it wasn't no. on purpose. It was yeah. like, it was just like three different people within the span of a week approached me mm-hmm. with, hey, do you want to do this thing in, in Dead by Daylight? And I was like, yeah, sure. Let's, let's do it. Just tell me when. And um, yeah, I was like, hey, man, you know, I'm, I'm dude, I, I didn't mean to like leave you on red. But like, seriously, if you still want to do this, like, I'll, I'm down. Like, just let me know. Yeah. And uh, it's tough, right? Because like, there's yes. so many different, like you said, there, there's probably people you communicate through Twitter DMs, through text messages, through um, TikTok DMs, and even Twitch whispers is a thing I sometimes forget about. <laughs> but like, yeah. there's so many in Discord, of course, there's like so many different ways people can access you. And if you, if you check a message, you're like, I'll get to it later. Sometimes we don't. And it's mm-hmm. not a and personal attack. Yeah, it's and I always feel so bad because I feel like anybody, even if you don't have ADHD and you're managing multiple platforms, you're going to struggle with trying to respond to everybody mm-hmm. and making everybody feel appreciated and important. And it's like you get to a point where there's no way that you can respond to every single person, even if you wanted to. Oh, yeah. You would literally be spending your whole day responding mm-hmm. to Discord DMs and Twitter and Instagram mm-hmm. and yeah. um, Twitch whispers and mm-hmm. TikTok messages, like everything. And yeah, it's hard, especially when you want to do it all, but you just can't. Oh, so. yeah. Yeah, totally. So yeah, don't, don't, uh, don't worry. I wasn't like upset or anything. I'm just like, hey, you know, when you get back to me, you get back to me. And thank you. No, I, I do appreciate that. That's how I approach it with everybody because I've been in that situation and uh, yeah. know what it's like. And yeah, we're, we're all human, right? Sure. <laughs> I just wanted to uh, transition a little bit because we're talking about like some heavy, heavy stuff here. And uh, I think that's that's why I wanted to bring you in on this on this podcast so we can talk about these things and give you a platform. And I've got a bit of a platform where I can share these things with people who are not familiar with these topics and issues that affect us as native content creators. Getting down to I wanted to drill down a little bit. And talk to you about your content creation, like you're partnered on Twitch. You've been, I think it's in your profile. You've been streaming for seven years. Um, I've seen you stream 
everything from ASMR, arts and crafts. Uh, I've seen some cosplay stuff. I stumbled upon a clip of you. You had like an evil candy corn cosplay thing going <laughs> yeah. on, which is amazing. So you've got cosplay background. I've seen you play games like Spiritfarer, Tunic, Spyro, Little Nightmares 2. Um, you're kind of all over the map in terms of your Twitch streaming like, um, but I, I really just wanted to talk to you about like, how did you get started all those years ago? And what's that journey been like for you? Um, well, when I first started streaming, um, like I said earlier, my fiance had actually made the t- the Twitch account. Mm-hmm. And um, this was back in 2014. Originally, okay. uh, my first stream I ever did was the summer of 2014. Um, and we... I didn't even know what streaming was, um, but he said, hey, we should play this uh, scary game together and then people can watch like you, you stream it. It's kind of like YouTube. People can watch you play it. And I was like, mm-hmm. oh, sure. Why not? Um, and scary game. I like I love horror, anything, horror movies, scary, uh, haunted right. houses, stuff like that. But scary games, I'm such mm-hmm. a weenie. I don't I think it's oh, just really? you, you play a part in the story in a way. Oh, yeah. So like, ooh, yeah. I don't know. It just they scare mm-hmm. me so bad. So we streamed Outlast together. Um, and oh, cool. I don't know. I just fell in love with it. I don't know what mm-hmm. it was. I just I, I fell in love with streaming. Um, and I mean, he he streams too. Um, but mm-hmm. at the time, I was streaming like every day, taking it seriously. Just mm-hmm. I don't know. I just I fell head over heels for just streaming and building a community and having fun. And I think a lot of it too was um, in person. I I'm not as good at making friends just because whether it's like me being shy in person or you know communication issues it's i struggle with it right whereas on twitch i don't know i I just feel like it was weird i always i I wouldn't say i didn't have any friends growing up in high school i did have friends um but i just struggled with keeping friends and keeping i always felt i don't know out of place in a way and i also moved back and forth a lot so i Mm. wasn't in one place very long so i just kind of struggled with that too but once i got on twitch um people liked me for the things that other people thought i was weird for which was really nice oh cool Um, yeah and so i kept streaming um i was that was the summer of 2014 um unfortunately i had one of my pets pass away that year and so Mm. i stopped streaming that that fall but then i came back to it um the following january in 2015 Mm-hmm. And I've been streaming ever since, solidly since then. Oh, cool. Um, yeah, and I started on PlayStation, just streaming okay. straight from the my PS4. Oh, awesome. Um, using the like PS4 camera and stuff. I had yeah. this little wonky setup. <laughs> it was like uh, my PS4 camera, and then I had this little wobbly three-legged coffee table or like side table I got from the thrift store and my little broken laptop uh the mm-hmm. t- the like touchpad wouldn't work for the cursor oh, so wow. I had to hook up an old mouse <laughs> yeah to the laptop oh, wow. where I would watch and read chat while streaming yeah. um but I did that for a long time and eventually you know I grew bigger and I switched to PC and then I I have been all over the place as far as content from mm-hmm. I was doing games only that was back whenever Twitch was games only um, yeah oh yeah and then you know once creative became an option I started doing art Mm-hmm. Um, back to games, back to art. You know, I I feel yeah. like a lot of my people are like, oh, you do everything. I'm like, yeah, it's because I want to do everything because I have ADHD and I can't <laughs> narrow it down. Like <laughs> yeah. the the thought of doing the same game every single day. Mm-hmm. I, I know that's a, one of the best ways to grow your community, but mm-hmm. it would drive me insane. I think oh, I would yeah. lose my mind. I've done that in the past before whenever I was really obsessed over games, but the moment mm-hmm. I stop enjoying it, I can't do it anymore. I can't. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, and now I bounce around everywhere. I do um, variety games, ASMR. I have a cooking stream mm-hmm. next Friday. Um, oh, awesome. Art. Yeah. Yeah. 
That's super cool. And I was speaking with one of my friends because I sometimes, sometimes every time I book an interview for this podcast, I always like brag to like my circle of friends, like, oh, this person's going to be on my stream. (laughs) And one of my friends was like, oh my gosh, I I love her ASMR. Like she's like, I I love tuning into her ASMR streams and like checking out her YouTube videos and stuff. That's, so how, that makes me feel so cool. <laughs> yeah. How did that, how, how did you get into ASMR? Like what, what was that, the start of that journey till, till um, now? Well, I guess, I don't know. Whenever ASMR first started growing in popularity, I, like lots of other people just thought it was weird. I was like, I, I never checked it out because mm-hmm. I thought it was just people like eating pickles and stuff like into oh. a microphone. Yeah, um, yeah. And I was like, I mean, I don't know. It's not really my thing, mm-hmm. but I had never checked it out, and, but I heard that it was supposed to help with like being able to fall asleep and be able to relax. And I've always struggled with um, falling asleep and anxiety mm-hmm. back. This okay. was in 2017 or 2018. I was at TwitchCon actually one year and I have a hard time sleeping when I travel because I'm just anxious. So mm-hmm. I was like, you know what? I've heard that ASMR can help with trying to fall asleep. Let's check it out. So I went on YouTube, typed in ASMR. I found a, I found one where this girl, she built like these really cool sets. Um, the, the ASMR creator is named Goodnight Moon. Okay. She builds these whole it's like a movie. She builds like a whole set. Oh cool. Puts on like builds creates these characters, writes a script and does an ASMR video as like a a little film. It's so cool. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh. She has a whole series where she creates all different kinds of characters. She's got one like um it's called Babelbrook, the the world she has created. She's got okay. like um magical creatures keeper. I don't remember what the name of it's called, but like they have okay. dragon, like dragon eggs and stuff like that. And then there's one where, you know, it's an apothecary and you're mm-hmm. in an apothecary and the little character is all she creates different characters, makeup, cosplay, everything. And I was like, this is so cool. I didn't know the ASMR oh. could be like this. Yeah. And I just I love how people can create soundscapes with just mm-hmm. everyday objects like it got me looking into foley art you know in movies mm-hmm. and stuff where they make the sound effects for movies and i just oh, it right. was so yeah. interesting to me mm-hmm. and i started listening to it and i was like you know i think it'd be cool to try this one day but i was too worried i was like everyone thinks asmr is so weird i'm not gonna mm-hmm. do it i'm not gonna be good at it people are gonna laugh at me and um i've been like mulling it over for months and then finally one day i was just like screw it I'm going to try ASMR. So I went live on Twitch with ASMR with my little Blue Yeti microphone back then. And I was like, let's just try it. And for some reason, people really liked my ASMR. I don't know why. Like, I just Mm -hmm. shot up hundreds of views. And people still, like, I don't even know how. Yeah, my my ASMR streams get more views than any of my other stuff. Like, hundreds Mm -hmm. of people show up every time I stream ASMR at any given Mm -hmm. moment. It's very bizarre to me because I don't know what I'm doing right (laughs) Yeah. I'm just showing up, yeah. doing my ASMR, and people like it. So I just kept doing mm-hmm. it. And it's really nice because hearing, you know, people say, oh, yeah, like I, I use your ASMR to fall asleep, like mm-hmm. wind chimes and ocean sounds and yeah, all, all kinds of stuff. It's it's really cool. It makes me happy. Mm-hmm. It makes me feel good. And uh, I know I've struggled with anxiety and sleep issues in the past and present. So knowing oh, um, yeah. that stuff like, you know, sounds can actually help people. And I also learned something really interesting. So um, in my therapy session one time, my therapist was saying how when if you're having if you're struggling with anxiety, um, if you go for a walk, yeah, that can help. But because um, it, either you can go for a walk or you can just sit in a chair and tap like alternate tapping your feet or you can cross your arms and alternate tapping your shoulders in front of you because it it does something. It stimulates a part of your brain. It's called the bilateral stimulation or it's called bilateral stimulation. Basically, okay. the alternating stimulation of either sides of your body like that has a, a physical effect that 
helps calm your nervous system in a way. Mm-hmm. So when ASMR is binaural, you know, it affects, it goes from one ear to the other. Yeah. It will have the okay, same effect. Yeah. So that kind of explains oh, the calming. Oh, I see. And yeah. I just thought that was so cool. I was like, oh my God. <laughs> so neat. Amazing. So um, yeah, I don't know. I just, I feel like everybody, especially the last couple of years is so stressed, always oh, yeah. so anxious. Our world is so fast paced. So sometimes it's mm-hmm. nice to just be able to have a little bubble on Twitch where people can come and just listen to cool sounds and wind chimes and Mm-hmm. nice fluffy brushy sounds and then uh hear some <laughs> yeah. dad jokes in between you know oh yeah it's it's great because uh like i said like i'm I'm usually most productive super late at night and you seem to stream pretty late at night so i appreciate when you have your asmr streams because i i'm always i'm usually lurking because i'm either working or just doing whatever right yeah um so it's nice just to like throw my headphones on crank up the volume and i i am susceptible to it as well and i know not everybody is and um yeah it definitely does help me quite a bit when mm-hmm. uh, you know cause, yeah it doesn't necessarily get me sleepy but it helps me focus that's the biggest thing for mm-hmm. me like if i'm sitting at my desk editing or doing something it just helps to keep me paying attention if like i've got i don't know like oceany brushy sounds in my ears i don't know it's just oh, yeah. i don't know why it works but it does and so i just i keep rolling with it yeah have, have you I, I know it's a little bit of a sensitive topic when it comes to asmr but like have you had to deal with any of the there's no other way to say it weirdos coming in and Oh, yeah. <laughs> Bringing your community down. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Um, how, how do you deal with that? Especially, I feel like um, the ASMR community in gen- like specifically deals with a lot of – or at least whenever I started switching to stream ASMR, I had a, def- a, a noticeable influx of creepy comments like that. Um, mm-hmm. uh, I think, I think um, lots – because ASMR has this weird stigma around it where a lot of people assume it's sexual and, right. you know, I feel like – some people, um, I mean, obviously sex sells and, um, some people yeah. do, you know, um, feed into the, uh, suggestive ASMR content. Um, mm-hmm. so that does, um, influence, makes people, um, associate ASMR with more like sexual stuff. So mm-hmm. people will come by and say creepy things. Um, uh, but for the most part, like if you just shut it down, mm-hmm. your community is going to realize, Hey, we like you, you, cultivate your own community right so if you make oh, it yeah. aware that these behaviors are not acceptable you're not really people like that aren't going to stick around so at least there's yeah. that um yeah. i've definitely had some interesting humans come by like um mm. i know everybody has their thing not here to uh shame anybody but there are people that'll come by that will like try and get you like there's this one person that comes by they are how they have uh, an earmuff fetish it's really weird but, oh, like okay. they constantly it's not like it's not weird that that's their thing that's fine but they'll try and like get you to use or get people to use earmuffs and it's like oh. man it's fine if you want if that's your thing but don't try and project it onto other people like when yeah. they're not into that you know what i mean it's, oh yeah but yeah. that's very rare most of the time yeah. it's just regular people mm-hmm. you know just listen like popping earbuds in and doing mm-hmm. some digital art or cleaning or mm-hmm. putting a desk together or i don't know like just oh, yeah. all kinds of random yeah. monotonous things to listen to asmr to help them focus or fall asleep yeah yeah and for me it's editing dead by daylight videos listening to people scream and shout like getting hit <laughs> yeah. by weapons and stuff and meanwhile i've got this cozy yeah <laughs> witchy twitchy no, ASMR in my ears yeah <laughs> um yeah and, uh, that's one thing i noticed too about your community is um i haven't really noticed any of that kind of weird energy in your community 
and I, I think it's because of what you've cultivated around you. Like the people that that are there, there to support you and like just be a part of of what you're doing. And um, yeah, everybody's so welcoming too. Like, it, yeah, I'm really it, lucky for sure. Yeah, yeah I, th- I think that's amazing. Um, now when, um, of course this red rank podcast, this is like dead by daylight podcast. So we should talk about it for a couple minutes anyway. Uh, yeah, maybe, <laughs> maybe work that in there for a second. That might be nice for the audience. We'll, we'll get a couple comments on, on dead by daylight. Um, how, how did you get into dead by daylight? Like how many, what was your beginning uh, journey with that game? I want to say I played it either in 2017 or 2018 for the first time. I just, I knew it was a scary game. And like I said, I love all things horror. I just mm-hmm. scary games for some reason. I just, I'm such a baby. But yeah. <laughs> with Dead by Daylight, once you get over the initial jump scare, you know, like the initial fear of being chased and the killer finding you or whatever, mm-hmm. um, it's not really that scary per se. I mean, of course, you know, sometimes you can get surprised by a, a silent killer that'll just yank you oh, out right. the generator when you're not paying yeah. attention, and that's scary. But like, oh, yeah. for the most part, it's not like playing something like Outlast or whatever. So once oh, I got exactly. past my initial fear of, um, you know, being afraid. My, my, my initial fear of like encountering killers for the first time, I should say, I worded that weird. Um, yeah. I loved it because I've always loved horror. I used to, um, whenever I was younger, I was a, an actor in a haunted house for like four different years. Oh, no way. Um, I've always loved okay. Halloween, spooky things. Um, yeah. So I loved it. I was like, finally, here's a horror game that I can play that I'm not a giant chicken with. So right. um, I started streaming. I streamed Dead by Daylight solely for, I don't know, maybe like a year or more. Mm-hmm. And I actually built up a... Like my community was dead by daylight based. Um, oh, cool! I uh, yeah, I loved it. It was really fun. Mm-hmm. It's just you know, eventually I can't play the same game every single day, yeah. <laughs> and I oh, yeah. I just started slowly trickling away to other games and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and I still like I'll still love playing. It's just there yeah. for a while. I was hooked on it like crazy. Oh, yeah. I just wanted to play it every single day. It was so fun. <laughs> yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, I I really enjoyed um. I did like long streams back then. I would do like eight hours Dead by Daylight every oh, week. Cool. It was um, it was really fun. And the people that were in my Dead by Daylight community were great. I made mm-hmm. friends with, you know, other streamers like Crunchy Egg Rolls was really cool. I got to go to Oh, them. I love Crunchy. Yeah, yeah. He actually let me be his plus one to the Dead by Daylight party where the devs were there and everything. No it was really way. Cool. Oh, that's yeah, so cool. Yeah, I feel like such a loser because, I mean, yeah. like that was back whenever, I don't know, like I wasn't a very big streamer or anything and all this oh. big, like. Like the big, the big Dead by Daylight streamers were all there, the devs, and I was like, I don't oh. belong here. Do you do you but, remember which streamers were there? Um, there was, gosh, let's see. Was Vincent was Kayla there? Yeah, Kayla was there. Stream Dad, um, Crunchy Egg Rolls. Mm-hmm. Gosh, uh, Angry Pug. Oh, Tide cool. Time. Okay. Mm-hmm. Like all the big, big Dead by Daylight streamers were there. Yeah. I'm pretty sure. Um, oh, that's so cool. But uh, yeah. And like they they had rented out this cool little um, like bar and all the drinks were Dead by Daylight themed. Like I had the, um, oh, no the spirit themed drink. Yeah, it was really cool. You walk in <laughs> and it was all foggy and they had yeah. um, like the Dead by Daylight logo projected on the floor. And I was like, I am not cool enough to be here. Like Crunchy yeah. was nice enough. I guess like he didn't. I don't know what happened. Like I think he still had a plus one and knew that I mm-hmm. – didn't have an invite because that was whenever um i had been streaming dead by daylight for a few months but i wasn't mm-hmm. well known per se so i didn't have an invite from the devs but he was nice enough to um you know let me get in i went in and had some tacos oh awesome. chat it was really cool <laughs> i was very lucky for sure shout yeah. out to crunchy egg rolls i will never forget i actually have a little polaroid of us on my fridge oh no way that. yeah that's so cool 
I've um I've run into random lobbies with Crunchy, whether we're both playing Survivor or I'm killer or he's killer, and he's always been super nice to me. Oh my god, so cool. Such yeah, a nice just, person. Just uh yeah, salt of the earth, that guy. Mm-hmm. And uh has cultivated a, a really cool community and Yes, uh, absolutely. I think that's a part of the fun thing with Dead by Daylight is because it's such a niche community, it's really easy to run into like the I hate saying this, but like the celebrities of Dead by Daylight. Yeah, like, no, for sure. Like, um, my what my biggest moment happened when I was, you know, streaming to like five people, and uh, I ran into Noob Three, who is one of the biggest YouTube Dead by Daylight content creators, and mm-hmm. he's taken a lot of breaks and is currently not making videos for for various reasons. Uh, but. I actually played against him and him and his friends were playing together. They absolutely destroyed me. And, <laughs> uh, you know, he, he came to my Twitch chat cause like one of his friends got mad at me <laughs> and I was like, Uh-oh. I was like, come to my Twitch chat, check out my, my, like check out all my killers. Like I'm pretty new to this game. I just don't know how to play. And him and his friends came over and they, they were in my, you know, chatting with me and I was like, Oh, that guy's a Twitch partner. Cool. And I, I don't really think much of it at the time. Uh, but then like about an hour or two later, a friend of mine sent me a DM saying, I, I don't know if you realize who you played against or who that guy was, but he's at the time he was the biggest YouTube dead by daylight creator. That's cool. And, uh, I was like, Oh geez, that's, that's interesting. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I've captured that whole round and it's on YouTube for Aww, anybody who wants to watch it. Neat. But yeah, it's, it's one of the really cool games where you just never know who you're going to run into. And yeah. I love the size of the community too. Like it's small enough to where you can have fun little moments like that, but then it's big enough to where, you know, there's still a vibrant thriving fan base, you know, mm-hmm. and it's, it's, I, I, for me, whenever I was streaming it, that's the perfect little size of community that I, that's the oh, sweet yeah. spot for me. I just loved it. Um, mm-hmm. and I definitely miss my DVD, like solely DVD days. Um, cause oh, yeah. yeah, it was so fun. Um, I need to get back on and play soon. I'm okay. So <laughs> whenever I was a kid, yeah. my biggest fear was Samara crawling out of the TV. I don't know why oh. <laughs> I was even afraid of the scene in scary movie three. I don't know why mm-hmm. I was just horrified of Samara. Yeah. Um, and so now when I saw they were adding her, I was like, no. yeah, uh, like I was yeah. terrible. And I still haven't gotten on to play because I'm such a chicken, but oh, yeah. I need to hop on and just rip yeah. bandaid off and play against her so I can get back on Dead by Daylight because I do yeah. love it. I mean, I'm not oh, yeah. the best, uh, but it's it's still really fun. Yeah, I think is is Samara from The Grudge. Did I say The Grudge? I, think- I meant The Ring. Yeah, because um, yeah, I, I I would I, I would get a lot of hatred from people if I if sorry I didn't did I say in. the grudge? No, 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 you didn't say the grudge, but I think Samara's from the grudge. Uh, the character is Sadako, and she's from the Ringu uh, series, and that's the new killer. But they're both like so similar; it's like so easy to like because um, when they first announced her, I was. I was saying the killer from the grudge and people were like, no, that's, that's Ringu. It's Sadako from, uh, the ring series. And oh. I think that's the, so some, Oh, Samara is like the English in the American films. Oh, the American. That's her name. Okay. Samara yeah. Morgan. And then, um, the original version is Sadako. Okay. Okay. Yeah. There, thank you for clarifying. Yeah, no problem. Um, but yeah, she is so fun to play against. Like I get annoyed a little bit cause like she does kind of proxy hooks and like come straight back to the hook when you grab somebody off the hook and but 
she's stealth killer though so she oh, creates no. some really fun moments yeah oh, stealth killers <laughs> i hate them i'm it's because i can't hear them when they're heading over like it's my least favorite whenever i'll be working yeah. on a generator and all of a sudden i don't hear a terror radius all i hear is dump 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 oh yeah Bing, bong, and i'm like ah! yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah so there is one i posted on tiktok i was part of her power you uh she's got the tvs all over the mm-hmm. map so uh, she can teleport to the TVs. Um, and then once she crawls out of the TV, she's in her manifested physical form, then she can hit you. Uh, but when she crawls out, she's got a little bit of stealth coming out of the TV. Ah. So you don't know she's there right away. <laughs> I'm so, so scared even just thinking about yeah. it. And they have the full animation of her crawling out like in the movie. So <sighs> um, one time I was, you, what you do to... You, you can turn off the TV by pulling the videotape out of it. Mm-hmm. And then you have to go put the videotape back into another TV on another side of the map. One time I was uh, putting the tape back in and I was making a silly joke. I'm like, I didn't rewind my tape. Like, here you go, idiot. <laughs> I'm putting it back in the machine. And then she starts crawling out of it as I was doing it. And it freaks me out. I was like, no, oh my get God. away. Yeah. I've had so many nightmares of her crawling out of TV since I was a kid. And like that just, I would have thrown up. <laughs> Yeah, so that's a real possibility of of that happening. And definitely, if you ever want to jump back in, whether it's off stream or on stream, I'm always willing to play with you. Yes, I totally love that. It's always more fun with like friends. I don't know. I mean, it's, you know, playing solo can be nice, but when you can Mm -hmm. actually communicate, it's always great. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we had because, yeah, we did that one collab stream. It was me, uh, you and Monita. Yeah, that's right. That was mm-hmm. so much fun. Like I, I had such yeah. a good time. And and for me, like I think that was the first time I like did any kind of project on Twitch with like fellow native creators. So that oh, was yeah. really cool. We gotta do and, it more. We need more yeah. of that. I know that um I uh I was talking to Shannon Baker and mm-hmm. I know that there's um lots of lots of native people that wanna collaborate and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. um we uh yeah, we should plan more nights like that. Cause one, mm-hmm. I mean it's freaking fun it's so great oh, yeah. and then two i feel yeah. like it's it's good to have um representation on twitch for us because you know oh, yeah. we didn't get a native heritage month or anything mm-hmm. so uh it would it, i guess we kind of got to do it ourselves and you know it's important not only for people to know that we're still a living breathing people and culture but also you know we're not these stoic uh oh yeah spirit animal <laughs> medicine men uh, <laughs> yeah. like yeah wearing you know we're not like that we're just regular people all the time oh, so yeah. maybe I, I feel like it's a good thing visibility oh, yeah. you, you just you sure. just you just put a light bulb on in my brain in terms of uh, like indigenous people month that, that's just around the corner right so i think it would um, definitely be for us it's in no american it's in november i'm pretty sure oh i see okay here here in canada it's in june so they might have done something for Canada. I'm not mm-hmm. sure. Um, I know that they did something for Indigenous Peoples Day in Canada. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then but um, I don't think they did anything like a month long thing like they do for a lot of other months here, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. The light bulb you put off of my head is like, yeah, let's just do our own yeah. our own events. Like we don't have to get Twitch. To... Yeah, for sure. I mean, yeah. Plus, I mean, it, 
it's 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 a fun project to work on, even if we have mm-hmm. to do it ourselves. So yeah, <laughs> did you it's a challenge? Did you ever see that uh, European game developer who made that native? This people? land is like my land or your land yeah. or whatever. Yeah, yeah, I saw that. It was lovely. That was brutal. Um, they blocked me on Twitter because I. I'm not surprised. Yeah. yeah. I remember so, um, that's how I found that's how I found Shannon Baker actually. Mm-hmm. She talked about that, and of course, the entire internet was like, "Shut up!" Blah, oh yeah, blah. yeah. And, uh, I was like, "Jeez, man, this is mm-hmm. wild." I don't yeah. know. I was just, <laughs> it's crazy, right? Like, so if anybody's listening and you're not familiar with what happened, there's a game out there. I don't know if it's an MMO or if it's just like a big open world campaign game, but there's this game developer who made a game. What's it called? This land is my land. I think so. Yeah. You basically play a native warrior and it's like a survival battle kind of game. I looked into it. I actually had it on my steam wish list until I was made aware that it, it, they did not consult with native people. Uh, they did not, they, they did their own, they did their own research essentially. And then they're like, here's our take on native culture (laughs) and their, uh, their tweets are so cringe. They're like, they're like all you warriors and princesses out there. Chiefs. Chiefs. That's the other one. Yeah. They're like, how many chiefs out there have accomplished this? And I think it comes from good intentions, but it, the, the delivery is just, it's just tone deaf. It's it's good intentions from, um, uneducated or unaware people um mm-hmm. well i feel like it's a huge issue because it, it's treating native people like we are of the past you know like yeah. we are not a living people so people can just do their own takes on us and like mm-hmm. pre- pre- they're like well i don't really know for sure what this was like mm-hmm. but i'm just gonna take a little bit of um culture from all these other tribes and just mishmashes together in one character and yeah. here's our native warrior yeah yeah so yeah it was interesting and the i can't even remember what i sent to them i was just like yeah i was i don't think this is okay like maybe i was like you know uh, maybe you can bring somebody on to talk about what you have correct what you have the least you can do is consult if you're gonna Mm -hmm. make a game and you're gonna profit off of somebody else's culture that you know is still enduring ongoing um attempted genocide and ethnocide and mm-hmm. can, in Canada and the U.S., um, you, the least you can do is consult them and be like, "Hey, do you have any advice?" Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It was it was so strange to me, and uh, that whole chapter was very bizarre. It was, um, and seeing all the people trying to tell, like the native people who were voicing, who were like, "Hey, this is weird." Mm-hmm. All the non-native people who were like, "No, it's not. Shut up." It's like, "I'm yeah. sorry. What authority? Like, what do you know." <laughs> Yeah. Can you explain? And they're like, oh, well, my great-great-grandma was full-blooded Cherokee, and it doesn't yeah. offend me. It's like, oh, I'm sure she was. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, th- yeah, that's the other thing I, I don't really get when people are like, my so-and-so was this, or they'll be like, this didn't happen to you, so why are you upset? But it's like generational trauma it is passed on. Like mm-hmm. my, my, Both of my parents experienced the worst experiences you can experience as any human under very inhumane conditions and for people to try to like reduce that and and like tell you what what you should and should not be bothered by it's 
It's one of the weirdest things I've encountered. It really <laughs> is. I um, I recently started learning, or I learned about this study done. It's called the Cherry Blossom Experiment. I talked about it on TikTok briefly, but um, so they did this experiment on mice. Um, they took um mice and they exposed them to the scent of cherry blossoms. And every time they did, they would give them an electric shock, which mm-hmm. is bad. Poor mice. But oh yeah. So um, these mice started associating the scent of cherry blossoms with pain and shock and um so then those mice had children and um the original mice that were shocked were you know separated so that they didn't actually have any contact with their children so this couldn't be passed on behavior so um when the children they had never been shocked but when they were exposed to the scent of cherry blossoms they freaked out Um, and they compared that to a control group of other offspring mice that came from mice that were never shocked when they were exposed to cherry blossoms. And the mice that weren't, the, the descendants of the mice that weren't shocked had no reaction to the cherry blossoms. Whereas right. the ones that were, the, the children of the, the shocked mice did, even though they were mm-hmm. never harmed. Um, yeah. And then those mice had kids and the same thing happened. I want to say it was like multiple generations. Please, I mean, a- anybody listening, you oh, can yeah. fact check me, check out the cherry blossom experiment. Um, mm-hmm. But that really put into I, Whenever I thought of generational trauma, I thought it was just passed on behaviors due to like, you know, nurture, but finding out that it's an actual genetic thing that you can inherit, um, mm-hmm. like um, physiological responses and stuff, it just blew my mind so much um, yeah. when I, I learned that. And I think they did a study on survivors of the Holocaust as well. Um, mm-hmm. Their offspring or children were more likely to have like major stress uh disorders and anxiety disorders and stuff. Um, there's mm-hmm. a study on that too. I can't remember too much about it, but I, I briefly okay. read that as well. So yeah. um, learning about that really um, blew my mind because like I said, I always, I never really thought of it in like a, a, a hard science term mm-hmm. or idea. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. um, and I'm sure there's more studies that need to be done about it before you, you know, say it's 100% fact or whatever. But, yeah, you know, when you think of it in terms like that, it's like, what what in your daily life is being influenced by all the generational trauma that your uh, you know your grandparents faced because they were native your parents faced because they were native and yeah. so on and so forth mm-hmm. yeah it, it's it is a real thing and like uh, my entire childhood and even into my adult years um i'm afraid of the dark and so um it wasn't until oh man maybe 10 12 years ago that my father talked about how he's afraid of the dark and the the very Aww. valid reasons why he's afraid and why a dark room was associated to his fear of the dark. Aww. That was passed on to me. And I, there was no, for me, there was no reason for me to be afraid, right. but I would just, if I was ever in a dark space, a dark room, I'd always need to have like a little light on. And um, yeah. my, my father even had night lights in the hallways and I always thought it was for me. Um, but my parents would later talk about how my dad needed that just to Aww. be able to, cope and deal with with his feelings so that's yeah yeah and that's part of why i uh i think i like horror films so much and why i like playing dead by daylight and uh, i'm facing my fear every time i'm I'm in the dark you know it's it's like you talked about earlier like learning your language is kind of a middle finger to the, the people who try to, right. to kill that language for me, mm-hmm. um, it is very much associated with uh, the church and government in right. Canada mm-hmm. for me to face my fear of being in the dark. And like, that shouldn't be a thing, but it is a thing. And I, no, I, I, I mean, embrace it, it. And I think that's, I mean, the motivation for that, I think is really cool. And mm-hmm. I feel like a lot of people can't, re- it's one of those things that if you, 
if you can't relate, you're not really going to understand the, the, the significance of that, I guess. But um, mm. yeah, it does. It does mean a lot. Um, speaking of like un- inherited fears like that, I found out, um, you know, when I went to go visit my grandma, she was opening up about her experiences with um, a residential boarding school and stuff. And um, so I uh, I am terrified of the dentist. Um, like I have to be like if I have to go in to like get a procedure like a filling done or something, mm-hmm. I have to be prescribed anti-anxiety medication or I will literally not – like I, I can't make myself go. And even with oh, wow. the anxiety medication, I'm like about to pass out. I'm so scared. I don't know why. Yeah. Um, I've never had like busted teeth or anything. I don't know why. Like I'm just horrified of the dentist. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, there for like over a decade, I when I you know finally moved out on my own and my parents – my mom wasn't making me go to the dentist. I didn't go because I was so scared for like oh. over 10 years. And I ended up messing up my teeth because I didn't go to the dentist for like 10 years. So um, yeah. I, when I finally had to get my teeth back on track, I had to have like multiple appointments and multiple medications and stuff because I was oh wow, ter- I'm a weenie. But anyways, yeah. when I went to go visit my grandma last year and she was opening up about her experiences with um like Indian boarding school and stuff she told me that when she was a little kid um they you know rounded up a bunch of the kids that were at the boarding school and took them to the dentist I guess um and she had one of her teeth pulled with no numbing or anesthesia oh gosh and um ever since then she's never gone back to the dentist that's why she's she's terrified she mm-hmm. won't go to the dentist. And, yeah. and when you're a little kid, that's horrifying. Like, can oh, you imagine yeah. having that happen to you when you're a kid, a tooth pulled out of your head with no numbing? Yeah. So she's she's terrified of the dentist. She won't go. Um, so I, I heard that. And I was like, you know, when I heard the cherry blossom study and was thinking back on what, what other fears can you inherit from your mm-hmm. p- parents or grandparents, I remembered that. And I was like, damn. Yeah, it's 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 connecting the dots. I think, right? Mm-hmm. Like you're That's just a huge kind part of, of like reconnecting, and also just learning learning more and growing up as a native person. You start connecting mm-hmm. more dots, and you know you're growing older and gaining more understanding. You're like, oh, well, that explains that. That explains mm-hmm. that. Da 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 da. Yeah, yeah, it, it, yeah. And the thing is, like, um, my parents always told me they're like, "Well, we're trying to protect you by not telling you things," but at the same time, it's like, "Well, you're kind of not helping me paint the full picture by yeah, keeping these the, things for me." Yeah, I feel like the painting the picture is painful. Oh, yeah. it sucks. I yeah. mean, you know, being separated from my culture. And my family, you know, over the last couple of years, I've had a crash course in repainting my picture, you know, crash course in generational trauma and learning um, like what has all happened in my family and what broken relationships have transcended generations and stuff. And, you know, at learning my tribal history and learning about all these atrocities that happened, painting the picture has been painful. I have cried more over the last year than I've cried Quick editor's note here. This next section does tackle some really sensitive topics, which includes very sensitive issues surrounding Native children and the kids that were hurt before us. So just just a quick heads up, you know, if that's a sensitive topic for you, I really just want to equip you. And if you need to skip past this part, I totally understand ever. I got so depressed last summer whenever the oh, wow. um, Cam Loops news was coming oh. out because mm-hmm. I had um, my grandma opened up to me about Indian boarding school on a Wednesday and yeah. then Fridays when I, I saw the Cam Loops news. Mm-hmm. It was like two boom, boom, right back to back. And yeah. after that, I got so depressed. That's the longest I've taken off of Twitch because I was oh, just wow. broken, I guess, because that's two really big things. And I don't mm-hmm. know, I could just feel the mourning of the Native community and all my friends. And I felt mm-hmm. so lonely because 
I'm so far away from my my tribe and my relatives, and I felt very alone because I mm-hmm. didn't have any um, native people in my household or you know nearby. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I got really down, and it made me realize how much painting the picture is not fun, but it's necessary for growth and understanding and compassion. And I get that you know our parents or grandparents want to protect us from that pain, but in the end, mm. it's something that you just have to power through as a Native person in order to mm. be able to embrace yourself, embrace your people, grow better better situations for your people, and it sucks. That's mm-hmm. why when people um, – People will message me and be like, like non-native people. They'll be like, oh, I love watching your reconnection journey. It's so beautiful. And I'm like, you think it's beautiful. And it is, it's, it's beautiful, but it's yeah. also extremely painful. And there's a it lot is. of really ugly parts that you don't see. And mm. I I mean, I mean, the the good outweighs the bad, and I wouldn't trade it for the world. But some of the things that I've seen or heard or experienced mm. over the last year and a half, two years has been so heavy. It has felt like a cinder block was on my chest at times. Oh, yeah. It's hard. Yeah, it really is. And I'm glad you brought up the the Kamloops Residential School. And anybody listening who's who's not familiar with what we're talking about, uh, essentially what happened is um, in a place called Kamloops here in BC, Canada, um, there was, I believe, a survey done on grounds where a residential school used to be. And they just discovered remains of Native children who were essentially killed by um, the Canadian church and, and government. And it's, it's it was their attempt to cover up the atrocities that they committed on our people. Kamloops is not the only site that that has discovered these things. Like my, my tribe had uh, uh, Penelicate Residential School, I think was one of the last residential schools to close in Canada. And they ran until like, I want to say legit to like the late 80s or like early 90s or something. I think like the last one like that. that closed was either 94 or 96. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe they weren't operated all the same techniques and methods, but it's something that is very still very recent in our memory. And um, the thing is, my, my tribe was also doing uh, similar sur- surveys on their grounds. And they have uh, university people who were conducting like archaeological digs, mm-hmm. and scanning of the grounds, and they've discovered the same kind of results. Aww. And um it's it's so painful. It's so so it tough. It really is. It's um, yeah. That's like picture picture your local local public elementary school, and then imagine remains of children were discovered there because of the the hate that happened there and the the, the evil that resided there in terms of like the quote unquote teaching you know authority figures that would be that would be devastating under any circumstances but to discover that it's like so common in uh our native people it's it's devastating right yeah i mean like every native person that you know either as a parent or grandparent that went to residential or boarding school you know and Mm. i mean i don't know if your viewers know anything about residential or boarding schools but they Mm. are these um these schools that were founded in the u.s um so the Canadian and U.S. government realized that they couldn't strip the culture from adults, um, mm-hmm. adult Native people, so they decided they were going to go after the children. Um, the The schools were founded on the quote, kill the Indian, save the man. So they were um, taking these children from their parents um, and their, their people, forcing them into these crowded boarding schools um, and residential schools. Um, 
shaving their hair off, forbidding them to speak their language, changing their names. I mean, and this was mandatory for Native children in the U.S. You know, my grandmother, yeah. Crow's family, um, and uh, they would separate them from their family, forbid them from engaging with their culture um, in hopes of, you know, continuing genocide. I mean, that that is one of the staple pillars. It's a pillar of genocide, removing children mm-hmm. and stripping them of their culture. Um, and so in these schools, um, there was rampant abuse of all kinds, um, a disease, um, they would kill, you know, kids were killed, um, and they, they couldn't see their families. They were far from home. They were, you know, they couldn't speak their language. They were hit if they spoke their language. Um, and so, yeah, now they're starting to survey the sites under all these boarding and residential schools and they're finding graves upon graves upon graves. And there's thousands Mm -hmm. that have been found so far. I don't even know what the exact number is right now. Um, Mm -hmm. and they haven't even searched all of them. I want to say they've only searched like how many in the U S I know they've searched a little bit of the Carlisle, uh, Indian Institute, which is the original, Mm -hmm. I think boarding school here in the U S but, um, there's, there's, you know, hundreds. So it's, um, it's a lot. And, you know, Mm -hmm. last summer they were just finding more and more and more and more. Um, Mm -hmm. And so it was very, very tough on the entire Native community, Mm -hmm. Um, not only for the descendants, you know, having to realize, I mean, we already knew about what our our family and, and, you know, our elders endured, but having that come to the forefront of our minds again, watching our grandparents and our parents have to relive these traumas, seeing the news, it was very hard. And last summer, I mean, it's still difficult. They're still finding they're still finding graves constantly, oh, yeah. but yeah. it was in the media a lot last year and it was very tough. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It, I can't imagine what it would have been like for you being so far removed from, from home and from your people. Like, because uh, like myself, I was at least able to, um, you know, I was able to reach out to my brother who helped me through it a lot. And uh, we live very physically close to each other. And we've always been really close growing up. And to this day, we're still really close. So for me to be able to like, go see my brother and give him a hug, and we both would you know, get really upset and just Mm -hmm. like express our emotions in the way we had to, or, you know, talk to my parents who, you know, like the crazy thing is, and this, this is not, this is not an an exaggeration. It was, it's a minor miracle that we're, we're even sitting down to have this conversation 100% because my father easily could have become one of those children buried at a school ground, quote unquote school ground. Um, and it's devastating to hear, uh, the stories of, you know, he had siblings and cousins who didn't make it out. And, uh, you know, that, and that's, again, I always talk about putting a middle finger to the government like this, conversation in itself us talking to each other right now is us just being like hey we're still here we still exist you guys did not succeed fuck you you know yep. <laughs> like uh, they didn't they didn't kill all the indians they did no. they tried they tried they yeah. tried so hard they said kill the indian save the man i mean mm. constantly but it didn't and i feel like people don't realize how like you said it's not an exaggeration mm. it's a huge deal that the descendants of boarding school survivors and residential school survivors still like living today with their culture intact or they're able to reconnect and they're learning their languages or just existing and being happy as a native person is Mm -hmm. a miracle. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a, it's a huge testament to the resolve and the resilience of the native community because some things that happen, people can't even fathom what happened in those schools. And Mm -hmm. yeah, it's, it's, it's a lot. And like my, um, my grandma last summer when she took me all around the Navajo Nation and stuff, she actually took me to the first boarding school she was sent to as a little five-year-old. Oh, wow. 
Um, and so like all the original buildings were torn down. It's like a regular normal school now. Um, yeah. But I was on the grounds of the school where my grandmother was sent as a little girl mm-hmm. and had her head shaved with like the old school manual oh, wow. hair buzzers and everything. And mm-hmm. she couldn't speak her language. And she even remembered the name of the teachers, like the especially wow. one that would yeah. catch her if she got caught speaking Navajo. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was on the grounds of that boarding school. Um, wow. And that was part of whenever, like, this was in the middle of whenever I was having a really hard time. Like, whenever the Kamloops news broke and all that was in the media, like, like you said, being so separated was very difficult for me because all I wanted to do was be around my community and my family. And I feel like that's a huge, it's a big difference between Western culture and um, indigenous cultures because we're so, our, our community is our identity. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like a lot of the times in modern society, individualism is a huge thing, independence, yada, yada. But mm-hmm. when it comes to indigenous cultures, leaning on your community and like fellowship and everything is so huge. And when you can't do that, it takes a toll on you. And I oh, yeah. got to the point where I couldn't take it anymore. And I just booked a trip and I just went to go and I stayed with my grandma for like weeks, went oh, to the Navajo wow. Nation. And I just mm-hmm. like refueled myself just being mm-hmm. with my family and on my tribal lands, you know, my ancestral land where my great, great grandma's buried and my grandma harvested, you know, wild carrots and stuff. Like it was like re- refilling my cup in a way. And yeah, I was going to all these painful places with my grandma, but mm-hmm. I felt like I was refueling myself. Oh, yeah. It was hard. And some people yeah. didn't understand because I took time off Twitch and I got mm-hmm. this horrible DM. It was like, everybody has sad stuff going on and that wasn't even your tribe. You don't even know those kids. It's just some unnamed oh. ancestors that you don't even know. Wow. Well, I don't know why you're like, why do you have to take time off Twitch? You got people that are subscribing to you. Why can't you just like get oh, it together? Geez. And I was like, it just shows how big of a disconnect there is, how you can't possibly fathom the pain a Native person can feel, even though it's not your tribe. Oh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Because the part of like how we deal with things is as a community. So when one thing happens to us, it it happens to us all. And and the thing is, it's not like it's not like Navajo Nation hasn't faced uh, very similar or the exact same circumstances. Yeah. So it's they're not going to care whether you're Navajo or Anishinaabe or mm-hmm. uh, you know like any any other tribe. You're native. That's the mm-hmm. that's the common denominator, and that's enough for justification for your eradication. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's so weird to me when you have to explain yourself to be like you know like. I I told you earlier, like I was I went in university, I, I was going to become an elementary school teacher. And I realized mm-hmm. like, I just didn't want to do that. But a big part of it was like, I just didn't like being in that system. And um, the stuff that I faced, it was like, I remember one lady approached me. And she was just like, because the thing is, like, my my tribe was actually paying for my education. Um, so she learned about this. And she just cornered me one day she was like hey so i hear you're you're being paid to be here and i was like excuse me she's like well you're you're native and your tribe is paying for you to be here and i was like oh yeah well i i, I am being you know they are covering my education that's true and you know I'm, I'm really lucky to be in this situation she's like what makes you so special she's like why can't i be paid to be here and i, I was like oh you know i'm not you know, I'm not really, it's not for me to say, it's not for you to say, it's just the way things are. And, um, yeah, she really made me feel ashamed. And that wasn't the last time I had a conversation like that. And so I was a kid at the time I was, you know, 18, 19, whatever I was. And I, uh, I was just like, 
no, thank you. I don't want to be a part of this. <laughs> so, when people say things like that, anybody who's yeah. listening, if there's any young native people who are listening, if people ever say things to that, they say things like that to you. Don't ever let that make you feel ashamed. That mm-hmm. should make you realize that person is not educated on recent history. They don't know a single thing about what has actually happened to our parents, our grandparents, and how that has directly impacted the present generations. Mm-hmm. Do not listen to those people. Pity them because they have no clue what's happening. Yeah, and that's that's really good advice because, uh, yeah, that's a big part of the reason why I wanted to sit down and chat with you because it was not only an opportunity to educate other people about where we come from as Native content creators, but, you know, there if there's going to be at least one or two or handful of people who are younger than us and are also native and uh, whether they grew up like deeply ingrained in their culture, if they grew up um, being a very big part of the culture or if they were detached, which is very common among our people, unfortunately, I really want those people to feel empowered and feel yeah. a good sense of what they want to do in life, whether it's content creation or continue their education or whatever Absolutely. career they want to choose. So Yeah. And I mean, people don't realize how much so, so many things are working against young indigenous people every single day, every step of the way, no matter what they want to do, you mm-hmm. know, whether it's dealing with, um, you know, um, tumultuous home life due to generational trauma. I mean, did you know that I, I did. Um, I was reading up on um, mental health statistics in the Native communities. Um, Native youth are more likely than any other age group of you know other races to commit suicide. Yeah. Um, we struggle with mental health and depression. It's, it's higher than. I think just about any other group in the U.S. I mean, mm-hmm. b- because of all of the stresses and horrible things that our grandparents have faced and our parents, it has has trickled down and people don't realize how much that's actually going to affect your mental health and how how you can move forward and improve. People just, people want to think everybody is just on the same level playing field. People just want to pretend like, oh, well, pull yourself up by your bootstrap. But it's like (laughs) some of us have cinder blocks tied to our ankles. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I mean, like, of course, everybody has struggles. You know, mm-hmm. I, uh, like I, uh, it's just so frustrating. People don't realize, yes, you can grow up poor and you can mm-hmm. grow up, um, you know, with health issues and you can grow up with a bunch of other stuff, but you don't have, whether it's your skin color working against you or um, your your race or your... Um, Even your gender your, too, Your right? family, yeah, your gender, your mm-hmm. family history, your sexual orientation, anything. Like mm-hmm. people... People lack that nuance I, or the mm-hmm. ability to understand that. And so it's really frustrating sometimes um, people hearing the people say things like that to to kids like you when you were in school. Mm-hmm. Well, how come you get a scholarship to come to school and I don't like, OK, I'm sorry. Well, when you're uh, when you are a descendant of people who um, like when your grandparents have been sent to uh, residential school and, mm-hmm. you know, you have survived genocide and you're like, what, the remaining 5% of Native American or what, what is oh, it? Yeah. Like, like 95% percent of Native. Yeah. Like yeah. then we can have a conversation. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's just so frustrating. And I don't know. I, I, sometimes it just really kills me. It's like I, it, a lot of this is just lack of education. Mm-hmm. If the U.S. school system actually taught what really happened and, and mm-hmm. you know, People don't even know what boarding and residential schools are. Mm-hmm. It's bananas. Like, yeah. even my own therapist was like, "Wait, can you? What is? What are you talking about?" And I'm like, "Oh my oh, god, yeah. I'm leaving." <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> like yeah. having to explain. 
Oh, yeah. Yeah. And that's a crazy thing. Like it's to me, it's that I, I don't really have any other way to say it. Like, a, let's say a bully hits you or hurts you physically and then you go, ow, that hurt. And they go, OK, well, tell me how to fix you. <laughs> it's like that's the kind of thing that we deal like with. A, yeah. Or like, yeah, I don't know. Or, or like if someone punches you in the face and then mm-hmm. you're like, ouch, that hurt you, jerk. You're like, I mm-hmm. can't believe you just called me a jerk. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's kind of what's happening now, right? You calling me a jerk is continuing the cycle of violence. I can't believe you did that. You need to rise above. You need to be better. You need to. Yeah. Just. Yeah. Uh, it's it's ridiculous. And uh, yeah, the the education thing is is that's a real thing. I remember um, one of my friends was asking me, what are you doing on Canada Day? And I'm like, oh, I'm just I'm like when it comes to Canadian celebrations and stuff, it's a bit of a sore spot for me. Um and the thing is, I don't I don't ever want to like yuck anyone's yum. I'm not out here being like, you should not celebrate this because this, uh, you know, people make their own choices and I'm not right. here to make people think what I think. That's right. kind of mm-hmm. how we got into this problem. I don't want to repeat that cycle because he was close to me. I was like, hey, you know, I, I don't really do anything on Canada Day. I'm just kind of I'm just kind of celebrating the fact that I've survived genocide and uh he started laughing and i was like oh what's funny <laughs> he's uh, like oh that that didn't happen though that's that didn't happen to to your people and i was like uh yeah it happened to my my father and uh it's affected me in a big way and he was kind of taken aback he's like wait w- what happened to your father so the thing is it wasn't any kind of personal attack on his part it's just ignorance and mis- it's it's uneducation or un- they're uneducated yeah. Is that even a word? Uneducation. Sorry. <laughs> I think yeah, so. Like, it's a lack of education <laughs> and mm-hmm. also just ignorance, I guess. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. It's, so that yeah. was that was in a time when it when it was less prevalent in in the media in terms of what's covered. Um, like the coverage that my father's received. That's been a thing since I want to say I want to say for about twenty five years, but. Um, it was never that big a deal until mm-hmm. probably recently as news and uh, information becomes more accessible through right. social media and stuff. So, but yeah, there, there, there's a lot of, a lot of steps we have to take. And the, the thing is, it feels weird when people are like, well, what are you doing to heal yourself? <laughs> it's like, well, it's kind of, it's not my responsibility. A hundred percent. The only people that should be <laughs> asking you that is another native person. Like, Mm-hmm. I don't want to hear that from anybody else. Like, don't ask me what I'm doing to heal my bloodline and my mm-hmm. my family when you're directly benefiting from it, whether you oh, need yeah. to or not. Um, yeah. And I mean, yeah, it's tough. Um, and mm-hmm. the people who were saying, oh, it didn't happen to you. It didn't affect you. My tribe is matrilineal, right? So mm-hmm. that means, you know, everything gets passed from mother to daughter, mother to eldest daughter, you know, or mm-hmm. just mother to daughter, period. Um, mm-hmm. And, you, you know, you inherit your clans um, from your mother. And mm-hmm. my my mother's, my mother and my mother's mother and her mother's mother, you know, mm-hmm. is a long line of Diné women. And mm-hmm. I lost that. I lost my language. It stopped with my grandma. Mm-hmm. Like me not being raised with my native language affects me. I mean, oh, yeah. like people don't realize how much indigenous language impacts yeah. how you view the world. Oh, yeah. Because when you speak, when you like the way that native languages talk about things, it's mm-hmm. not like you can't even really I can't even explain it. Like the way mm-hmm. you refer to other things and people, it just influences your worldview. Oh, yeah. Having that taken from me is a huge deal. I mean, it. it, it 
Like, for example, um, I don't know how it is in your tribe, but with mine, um, like, for example, the word for mother is Shema. And then the mm-hmm. word for aunt, your mother's sister, is uh, Shema Yaja, which translates to literally little mother because oh, your cool. aunties okay. and stuff is like a second set of parents. And oh, yeah. you don't have um, you don't have things like you don't use terms like great uncle or great mm-hmm. aunt. That's not a thing. They're just your grandparents. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it's like having a second set of grandparents. Oh yeah. And, you know, my 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 um what most people will call my great uncle, he doesn't call me his great niece, he calls me granddaughter because mm-hmm. he's my grandpa. Like oh, yeah. he's my yeah. he's my Che. I'm his I'm his mm-hmm. granddaughter. So like the bonds are so much closer. It affects your worldview. You feel so much more held and cradled and loved when you learn your native languages and and like or or live in your culture mm-hmm. in a way that I've never felt in my life. And that was taken from me. Yeah. It affects yeah. me. It affects every single young native person or older native person that is alive right now. And it's mm-hmm. going to affect my children. Yeah. Like it, it, people don't realize because it, they think of all of these things as happening hundreds and hundreds of years ago when it's oh, yeah. the effects are will last for generations. Mm. Yeah, exactly. And it, it, it's uh, very similar in my culture uh, in my tribes as well. Like when it comes to when you address uh, especially somebody who is much older than you, they're, they're an aunt, they're an uncle, they're, mm-hmm. they're your grand, your grandpa, even if it's not quote unquote, your traditional, like, you know, that's not actually my father's father, right. but he's, he's still my grandpa, you know, like, cause right. he, he's just a part of the community. He helped raise me, mm-hmm. you know, somebody I looked up to growing up and stuff. And, um, I think, um, some, some people do struggle with that, especially non-native people. Oh but yeah. I, like 100%. I totally get it. Yeah. So like, um, I remember one time, uh, I don't want to name names here, but I, I had somebody, uh, a fellow native person who, uh, had their, their kid with them and they're, you know, we're, we're close. We're me and that person. We're, we're not super close in age, but like, we're, we're essentially cousins. Right. Mm-hmm. And, um, like blood cousins, uh, and not, not the native way of being cousins. Right. Like we're, you have we're to actual specify cousins. too. Like when you're yeah. talking to you're like, no, 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 like my blood cousin, not yeah, like yeah. my, <laughs> my cousin. Co- yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, I yeah, get what yeah. you mean. <laughs> so anyway, um, she had her, her child with her and she was like, Hey, this, this is your, this is your cousin. Adrian, that, that's my first name. I don't know if I ever shared that with you, but she's like, here, this is your cousin, Adrian. And it's just a little boy who's like, you know, and I'm, I'm like a fully grown man. And I'm like, yeah, wouldn't he be your uncle? Yeah. I, I And I was like, wait, you know, like I'm an uncle traditional like, way. I'm, I'm like, the, I've, I've earned uncle. I, yeah. I just, yeah. <laughs> so that whole thing is something that a lot of people even in our own culture, don't always understand. So mm-hmm. I always try to like, I did kind of try to step in and be, they didn't quite understand it though. So I was like, okay, well, yeah, hopefully down the road you'll learn. Yeah, but, for uh, sure. It's <laughs> and, and trying to explain, like if you're talking about your relative to a non-native mm-hmm. person, oh my gosh, I have to stop and explain constantly. Cause like my mm-hmm. grandma's brother, my, my grandpa, my grandpa, I call him my Che, mm-hmm. my grandpa. Mm-hmm. Um, I always I refer to him as my grandpa, but mm-hmm. then I'm like, no, 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 not my mom's dad. This is my mm-hmm. grandma's brother. Well, mm-hmm. he's not actually my. So like, I have to constantly explain, like, no, it's not actually my grandpa. But it, <laughs> so yeah. it's yeah, it's always confusing. And in that like Dene culture, we have things called like 
um, cousin, sister, cousin, brother, like just different relationships that, you know, most people Mm -hmm. aren't going to know if you're not native. And like you said, cousins. And, Mm -hmm. and we also, um, in Diné culture, we have our clans, um, like, for example, my clan uh, that I inherited, my, my maternal clan is Tabaha, which means water's edge. So, mm-hmm. like, if you're in the same clan as somebody, that's your cousin or your sister. Um, or, like, if, for example, um, so I'm Tabaha, uh, which if somebody else's, like, if their grandma is from Tabaha, that would make me their quote-unquote grandma or something. I haven't okay. quite figured out how that works. It's very yeah. weird, but I've had somebody refer yeah. to me as their grandma, like, jokingly once, and I was like, oh. you never call me that. <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah. really weird. Like, I don't yeah. know, just very different mm-hmm. relations, I guess. Um, yeah. But it's it's always so interesting and fun to learn about. And it's also funny to hear, like, confuse non-Native people. Oh, yeah. Sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it can get pretty uh, pretty out of hand. And, like, yeah, that's that's a funny thing. That That's a TikTok right there, you know, talking about your, your cousin, your your uncle, your auntie, grandma, grandpa. And, and the thing is, when you're in in that environment it's you don't even think about it right like Mm -mm. oh you go hey hey grandma how's it going how you doing how's how are things how's grandpa doing i love it you don't think about it for uh for a second something really cute that came out of the tiktok drama in the vein of talking about relationships oh yeah Um, Yeah. i saw that native tiktok and black tiktok kind of came they're like oh my god we both have aunties but the thing is like native tiktok calls our aunties aunties most of the time Mm -hmm. whereas black tiktok calls their aunties aunties and so no way okay all uh we were confusing each other because I was talking about native aunties. And yeah. then people like, um, I want to say it was a couple different black creators. They were like, well, no, we call it aunties, thinking mm-hmm. I was talking about their aunties. And I was like, no, 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 I mean my aunties. And they're like, oh yeah. my God, we both have aunties. It oh, was so no cute. way. Like, I love that. Just how um, <laughs> it was really funny, though. Just yeah. people were like, what are y'all talking about? Like, yeah. that's <laughs> hilarious. Aunts. I'm like, no, it's just like a role in the community, which yeah. I in a weird spot because I feel like I'm still niece cousin. Yeah. And somebody yeah. called me auntie recently and I was like, I do not claim <laughs> that title yet. I not because I care about my age, but because I'm still learning. I'm still irresponsible. I'm mm. young, like I'm immature in some and don't I don't I'm not responsible enough to be auntie yet. Like I yeah. don't feel comfortable being a role model. I don't feel comfortable like trying to lead young people and give advice. I am young oh, yeah. people who need advice. So yeah. yeah. I am still cousin niece. <laughs> I calling me auntie freaks me out because I'm like, don't give me that responsibility. Yeah. I, I hear you on that. Um, what's that one content cre- I think her name is Deadly Cree. She did. I don't know if you oh, saw it. Oh, she does TikToks like Uncle, with a, Uncle, Uncle Deadly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that one. Yeah. She's she, funny. Um, she's so adorable. And like, I remember she uh, she did one TikTok where her and one of her cousins were in like regalia. And they did that TikTok sound. or like, hey, we heard you like aunties. And it's just the funniest thing and, oh my uh, god native humor and native tiktok <laughs> is just it's it feeds my soul in a way like i don't understand why native people got this stereotype that we're all stoic and we stare out into the distance and oh, yeah. we're just so serious like i remember um patrick that um mm-hmm. The, the tiktoker we were talking about earlier that was yeah. really supportive of me he made this tiktok you know after the whole you know all the womblands humor started coming out and he said mm-hmm. i thought my native relatives were quiet folk, but mm-hmm. the past week has taught me that y'all are just as funny as we are. And it was just yeah. so cute. Just the bonding moment, like how oh, yeah. I feel like just marginalized communities in general have to 
you know, it's either we laugh and yeah. and heal that way or we stay broken and we, you know, just mm. lose all of our joy. And oh, yeah. just I love our humor. I love the way we can turn everything into something, in, into medicine. Like laughter is oh, our yeah. medicine. It is yeah. good yeah. medicine. And oh, yeah. I mean, I try and keep that in mind. Like whenever the whole drama was happening with me, I so badly mm. just wanted to be you know, angry. And at one point mm -hmm. I did cry. Like in the beginning, I was oh, yeah. like so overwhelmed. I cried. Mm -hmm. um, but then after that, I was like, you know what? We're just going to laugh. We're going to laugh and oh, we're yeah. going to joke. And that made a lot of people mad because they were like, <laughs> you shouldn't be laughing at this. And I'm like, yeah. I'm sorry. Uh, well, what do you want me to do? Be angry and be sad and cry the whole time? Yeah. I'm like, I'm going to laugh. And that really, it was such good medicine for so many people. We all just had so much fun cracking jokes. And mm -hmm. yeah, that's a, a huge part of our culture. And I just absolutely adore it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I, I think it's a great way to cope with things because I, I mentioned to you like last summer, I took a lot of flack for a TikTok I posted. It, it's still out there where I kind of criticized somebody's gameplay in Dead by Daylight. I actually deliberately was kind of a jerk in my approach because like in my head, I was like, I want to be kind of like a bad guy wrestler. I want to be kind of like the enemy of Dead by Daylight TikTok. And I very quickly learned that people did not enjoy that. And I could have stayed on that path and I could have gotten probably a lot more views because that was one of my highest performing TikToks was me being kind of rude. And mm -hmm. uh, um, yeah, the crazy thing is like, yeah, just the, the amount of uh, people who hated me and sent me death threats and stuff. And Goodness. Uh, the, the thing that I did is I just kind of had fun with it. I just kind of like tried to make jokes about it and mm -hmm. did... Uh, reactionary uh i remember one person was like they said something like you live in your mom's basement you never go outside and touch grass so i uh i went camping like a, a couple days later it just so happened we had a camping trip planned so i did a you know how you can respond to a comment yeah yeah and i was like hey i'm touching grass and i'm like oh touching a God. tree and i'm like yo how does that i'm like is this grass i was like is this oh what God. you want me to do and uh and and people should realize that you're kidding and playing a character. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. but funny. they they it made them even more mad. So oh my goodness, it, it took me about a week to dig myself out of that, and uh, <laughs> I still months later still get the odd comment about oh, it. Oh no, there's still yeah. I don't know. It's I mean it's either. People, yeah. Sometimes people don't understand. I mean, like, I get that some people will be try to be funny and be mean at some other people's expense, but there's mm -hmm. also ways to, you know, you do that and it's more of a lighthearted thing. I don't know. Oh, yeah. I, uh, yeah. I like that you responded to that with humor, though. I, um, I had the same thing. So I found out that one of my TikToks got reposted on like a Navajo humor Facebook page. Oh, cool. The the, the wastelands <laughs> of Facebook. Um, and okay. I was like, oh, no. I went and I yeah. scrolled through the comments and some of them were so mean. Oh, I, remember, so oh, mean. I remember you talking oh, about that. Yeah, yeah. They were so mean. Like criticizing oh, no. my Navajo accent and stuff. And oh, um, no. so lots of people were being really nice, but then yeah. there were some mean ones. And so – I decided to um, – I screenshotted a lot of the really mean ones and I did a reaction video to it just laughing it off. Like one of them was uh, – God, what was one? Um, oh, I guess they were accusing me of not really being native. Right, <laughs> so yeah. what's she gonna, when, she, when does she open her pawn shop? And I was like – Oh, jeez. Oh, <laughs> like it's a good wow. joke, but I yeah. need you to stop. Oh, but, yeah. Um, somebody else – what did they say? Um, well, yeah, she knows her clans, but can she actually, you know, do – 
can she actually do stuff? Like, can she herd the sheep? Can mm-hmm. she bring in firewood? And I said yeah. something like, um, I'm sorry, have you seen my grandma? She's so cute. I'll do anything she needs me to. I don't care if I have to herd the firewood or bring in sheep. Oh. And uh, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Just like it's important to be able to laugh at yourself and laugh at oh, stuff yeah. like that not take it too seriously that mm-hmm. was i don't know i was proud of myself for that instead of letting my feelings get really hurt mm-hmm. i tried to just laugh yeah. it off and then that ended up i it ended up i guess being good because i don't know i just i want to be somebody that can laugh at myself and not just always get my feelings hurt oh totally because you're that'll decrease your lifespan on social media right whatever whatever mm-hmm. platform you're on if you just if you want to get into every fight and engage with people at their level that's a that's a losing game right there so yeah and it's really hard not to i totally yeah. get it like i always want to just clap back and argue and fight oh, yeah. it's just that's my immediate <laughs> response is like yeah all right let's go let's square up but i just try as i get older to try and just laugh and yeah ignore. oh yeah oh totally well, we've been uh, we've been chatting for a little a little oh, bit I know. here. Sorry, no, I, I don't mind. I, uh, I I could sit here for for days and days, uh, but I, I really don't want to keep you for too long. Uh, but I just really wanted to thank you again for doing this because um, you know this, this is a big deal. You know, for us to be able to have this conversation. I know. And, no, thank you for having me. I'm serious. Mm-hmm. I'm I love stuff like this. And like I said, I don't live near mm-hmm. any other native people. Right? I mean, I know actually. No, I ha- I know one native who lives like 30 minutes away. But but oh, yeah. I don't really interact with native people in my real life. So conversations mm-hmm. like this, just hanging out and oh, talking, yeah. it just it just waters my soul. So thank yeah. you for inviting me. Just, <laughs> yeah, I no. don't know. I know it's been a, I'm very long winded sometimes and I talk yeah. a lot. So thank you for having I, me and yeah. sticking around. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, I appreciate it. And I, I told you off recording like you being able to talk and with your adhd background that's like kind of a natural talent for podcasting <laughs> so yeah i don't know maybe maybe i should podcast one day or something you get should. all that out no, i'm just kidding no i don't even know what i would do it about i mean and plus it would be like it's i mean I, it's fine if i'm the guest i guess mm-hmm. it's not as bad yeah. if i talk a lot but if i'm the podcaster and i have a guest i need mm-hmm. to like get a chip clip and like clamp my mouth shut or something <laughs> <laughs> I hear you. It, it, it's a it's an interesting balance because you obviously want to make your guest the attention, but at, at the same time, like things will come up and you want to share your own background with something that's being discussed. Well, so yeah, yeah. A, Plus, I feel like if a guest feels like they have to talk the whole time, if they're not a talker, they're going to be like, oh, my God, I don't know what to say. Yeah. Oh, I know. One thing I wanted to talk to you about before we close things off here, when it comes to uh, collaborating with people, how do you handle that? Because pretty much everybody I've talked to on this podcast or even off of the podcast, just friends in general, a lot of people have a lot of anxiety about being like, hey, do you want to play uh, Minecraft with me on stream sometime (laughs) or just in general? So how do you approach that when you're... Mm thinking about these things i actually don't do a lot of collaborations and that's not because i don't want to it's because Mm -hmm. i get overwhelmed very easily that's a huge issue i struggle with with my adhd like constant overwhelm because my whole life i've made these plans and i and then i end up being late or i forget Mm -hmm. or i you know and like i forgot to message you back i mean just repeat stuff like that gives me a lot of overwhelm and anxiety when trying to make plans and collaborations with others so i kind of Mm -hmm. i i think maybe i i struggle with that too just Uh, fear of if i do make plans i'm gonna forget and i'm gonna totally screw it up and i'm not gonna uh, make it but yeah i really i mean i I feel like i'm more i'm more passionate about it lately especially because we were talking earlier about you know collaborating with other natives and building this representation and uplifting each other that's where my passion is 
Mm-hmm. And I feel like I need to let that help me be brave enough to reach out and try and collab and be like, you know oh, what? Yeah. I might forget. Maybe I'll mess up. But mm-hmm. at least I reach. I can reach out and try. And if I mess up, I can just apologize and we can try again. Um, yeah. It, 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 I, 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 oh, my God. I just tried to say three different sentences at once. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> I have so many ideas, too, for what I would want to do. Like, I want to do po- like podcasts on stream where we chit-chat. But I also mm-hmm. think it'd be cool to do gaming stuff and art oh, stuff yeah. and mm-hmm. this and that and that. And so I overload my brain with all these ideas. And then I get overwhelmed and I don't do any of it. Oh, yeah. I hear you. <laughs> you know. But, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, yeah. No, that, that's that's how I started with this podcast. I had planned it for about a year. I was like telling people, I'm like, yo, I'm going to do this DVD podcast. I'm going to talk about the game and I'm going to bring in people to talk about the game and I'm gonna, it's going to be awesome and we're going to do this and that. And I was doing that for about a year where I was just talking about it. And I finally just one day I said, OK, I'm going to contact somebody on Fiverr. I'm going to get them to design my logo for the, the 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 podcast artwork and then i'm gonna i'm gonna contact someone else on fiverr and get them to design like the intro music for me so i was like okay i'll start there and i was like okay then i gotta like set up the podcast hosting which is something i've done before with my movie podcast mm-hmm. so once all these things fell into place i was like okay let's just start doing it Heck so yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's so. awesome though. I mean, we I love I just love when people have those ideas and then they get brave enough to actually make them come to fruition. And I feel like mm-hmm. well, one, you love doing it, but also it's yeah. fostering important conversations like this. Oh, yeah. And that's mm-hmm. it's amazing. I don't know. This is give, maybe giving me the I don't know, giving me the confidence to maybe eventually yeah. do one of my own. But yeah, um back to the collaboration thing. Sorry. Mm-hmm. I think I Oh yeah. Um yeah, I mean, I want to I want to follow through with more collaborations. I really yeah. do. Whether it's you know with other native people or you know other people playing the variety games that I do, just other streamers in general. Because I see so mm-hmm. many people doing these fun you know co streams or projects oh, yeah. together, and I'm like, I want to do that, but then yeah. I don't actually try. So it's like yeah. I make myself feel left out. <laughs> yeah, I hear you. Yeah, I do the same. Um, but yeah, if you ever want any any tips or advice or even help getting that started, I'm always willing to jump in. That would and, be cool. And I don't be a go between or or whatever. Yeah. And uh, yeah, when it when it comes to like podcasting and talking about stuff, I'm familiar with all of the technical aspects of it and also like just the overall production. So if you ever want to get into it in your own way, whether it's in this setting or Twitch or, or anything at all, like yeah. seriously, Thank I you. hit me up and I'm, I I'm appreciate a, that. I can be a resource for you. So. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Cause you've, you've got really good opinions and you, you back up your opinions and that's again, more reasons why I wanted to get you on my podcast Thank so you. I could pick your brain and uh, get your perspective and uh, empower other people that yeah. are listening. Thank so. you. Thank you again for having me. And also, if you need to cut any – I know this was really long and I talked a oh, lot. So if you need to yeah. like trim anything, I, it will not <laughs> hurt my feelings because <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I didn't really intend on talking for three hours. I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> yeah, it won't hurt my feelings if you have to edit stuff out. You know, I don't think I will, to be honest. Like, I, that might be a. I usually do cut a little bit of things, like when I say, "Okay, well, we're going to wrap up here." So, right, blah, right, blah. right. But yeah, they're for the most part the podcasts are, are mostly unedited. Sometimes I'll cut out me coughing and stuff because like I'm really <laughs> self conscious of stuff yeah. like that. Uh, but yeah, it'll it'll be mostly unfiltered. So cool. Um, but yeah, I, I also like to give people a chance to kind of talk about their own platforms where people can engage with you. So uh, here's your chance. Where where can people find you? Oh, on, um, online. Well, I stream on t- 
Twitch uh, on weekday evenings. You can find me at twitch.tv slash witchy twitchy. Um, I'm also active on TikTok on there. I'm um, witchy twitchy TV. Uh, my Instagram is just witchy twitchy. My I have two YouTube channels. Um, I have witchy twitchy and then I have witchy twitchy ASMR. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I'm also on Twitter, which is witchy twitchy TV. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you can find me just Great. about anywhere. Cool. Yeah. And uh, for anybody interested, I'll leave links in the show notes so you can in the description of the episode, you might have to click the more button and I'll have links in there as well. So you can follow up with either one of us. And uh, I'd really appreciate that. Uh, but yeah, Witchy, thanks very much for having this conversation Thank you. with me. Thanks for and, inviting uh, me. I'm really honored. Yeah, anytime. And you're always welcome to come back on anytime you want. So cool. always an open invite. Uh, but yeah. For now, I'll say good night. Why don't you say good night to everybody? Good night, everybody. (laughs) All right. Take care. Take care.